Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to the Keeping It Strong Style Podcast, and it is the best. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chill and let them have it because this is just an intro keeping the strong style six stars from the get-go boy yeah from tampa bay to the tokyo dome this is keeping it strong style with your hosts jeremy donovan and the young boy joshua smith and thank you for listening welcome to keeping it strong style the ace of podcasts on the social suplex podcast network jeremy donovan here joined by the young boy josh smith on today's show, we'll be reviewing the 47th anniversary show and the first round of the New Japan Cup, as well as covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. If you go to socialsuplex.com slash subscribe, you can sign up to get all the podcasts and columns delivered directly to your email inbox. This episode of Keeping a Strong Style is brought to you by Powerslam.tv. Powerslam TV is an independent streaming service with over 4,000 hours of wrestling from companies across the world. Also, check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store at prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex to get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. And don't forget, April 7th in New York, Suplex Mania will be happening at the original Hooters across the street from Madison Square Garden. Come out and join us for a live podcast and a WrestleMania watch party. Looking forward to that, man. So how you doing, young boy? Bro, I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overcome by the New Japan Cup. It feels like the G1. I wasn't ready for it, man. I wasn't ready. <laughs> you know, Ju- June like June July shows up and you got Dominion coming up and you're like, "Okay, like I'm getting ready for G1 season." You kind of get like your 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 mindset right. You know what I'm saying? But then all of a sudden I was like, "Well, there hasn't been any New Japan in a few weeks. I wonder what's happening this week." And then it's like the eighth, the ninth, the tenth, the eleventh. Oh, and we're gonna throw an anniversary show in the middle of the week, by the way. You're like, what? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm tired, but it's been good. It's been really good. Um, yeah, I've, I've liked, I've, I've loved it so far. I'm just, uh, I wasn't expecting this, man. 
Yeah, man. This yeah, this this weekend was a rough schedule, man. Yeah. Keeping up with all those shows was rough, but got it done. But yeah, man, there's an overload of New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is always a good thing, and we have a lot to cover today. Um, so let's kick this thing off, man. Uh, the 47th anniversary show was our first show that happened uh, last week, Wednesday. Before before we move on, I'd like everybody to be made aware. This past week, me and Jeremy Donovan, we were on a little game show called uh, the Ricky and Clive. What is it called? The Quiz Time? The Ricky and Clive uh, Quiz Invitational. The Qui- Quiz Invitational. And uh, I'm just going to say, you guys might want to check that out. It's right here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. And um, to say that this was Okada Omega levels of competition would be selling it a little bit short. Yeah, it, this it, was an eight star match, the yeah. first ever eight star match in history. Yeah, it was. It was. It was an epic battle, <laughs> eight star brawl of the minds. So yeah, definitely go out, uh, go back and check that out in the archives on the podcast network. So yeah, uh, we, had, we had a quest, uh, um, a statement here from Muzza about the quiz, but oh really? Yeah, I, w- I won't spoil the the results of the quiz for for you guys. So go back, listen to the quiz, and then look back at Muzza's comments on the question thread in Reddit. Uh, but yeah, so why don't you want to read it out loud? Well, you want me to spoil spoil the results? <laughs> maybe next week. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe next week. I want you know people to go and listen to Ricky and Clive and listen listen to the show. Give our boys a little taste. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's get on this 47th anniversary show. Um, so yeah, this happened last Wednesday. Uh, so I know we always say this, but it does feel like this happened a long time ago. It, it, bro, it does. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe that this was last week. Yeah, so much has happened since then. It's crazy. Yeah. So, the, the show opened up. We had uh, Togi Makabe, Toriyano, Ayato Yoshida, Shota Umino, and Ren Narita taking on the Bull Club team of Bad Luck Fale, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, Chase Owens, and Hikaleo. And, you know, this was a solid opener here with uh, Bullet, Club, Bullet, uh, excuse me, Bullet Club dominating the match. Um, Young Lions trying to get their fire in. But um, in the end... Chase Owens hits the package pile driver on Yoshida and gets the win for the Bull Club. Yeah, um, I mean, it was it was kind of nice seeing Hikaleo make his return and kind of get his feet wet for the first time in a while. Um, obviously, it's always fun to see the Young Lions and the, the dads kind of team up and that sort of thing, but I think that a lot of this had to do more so... The, I mean, the, the story of this match was just reestablishing... Uh, the Bull Club as as like a cohesive unit when it comes to these multi-man matches. And that's exactly what we saw here. I mean, I wouldn't go as far to say it was a squash, but it was definitely a dominant display by Fale, G.O.D., Owens, and Hikaleo. And I mean, they're a formidable group. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of questions, you know, what's happening with the Bull Club with the Elite leaving? Well, the plans are clear. They're, they're planning on continuing to push this thing um, hard and heavy. And we saw this right here with all these guys here. And it, it seems like we saw the beginning of the Chase Owens push with this match. They've been, they've been pushing Chase for a long time. This, 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 uh, this push has been in the works since last Wrestle Kingdom. I'm talking a year ago when he was 
package pile driving everybody in the Rambo. Getting the five count. Getting the five count. R.I.P. King Kong Bundy. This, yeah, actually, this show started off with a ten bell salute and uh, condolence to the departure and uh, death of King Kong Bundy, who uh, did spend you know some time in New Japan back in the eighties. But uh, yeah, I mean, the the Chase Owens push has been coming on for a long time. He's been teaming up with you know uh, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi and been we talked about it last year this is like the one guy who's been in like more main main events than anyone like kind of remembers you know taking on like Okada taking on Tanahashi and all these guys and it's like low-key Chase Owens been getting like a little push but now is his time yeah now is his time for everybody to see what the crown jewel really is yeah I think 2019 could be the year of the crown jewel He's winning the G1 this year, bro. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if we're, we're going to go that far, but... You want to draw seats? You want to put asses in the seats in the Tokyo Dome? You put Chase Owens in the main event. Night one and night two. <laughs> Run it back, baby! Bro, could you imagine <laughs> the, the outrage, the backlash, <laughs> the internet melting if Chase Owens was in the main event both nights of the Tokyo Dome? No, it'd be fine if all they gotta do is see him work. It's gonna be like when Kenny. Everyone thought Kenny was a joke until he won that first G one, and then everyone's like, "Oh, okay." Chase is gonna do that, but on a more glorious level. It's gonna be amazing. Chase Chase Owens G one run this year. It's gonna be a thing of mass, like a thing of mastery. But it starts right here. It starts right here in this five man tag or ten man tag, mm-hmm. and it starts with a a Yato Yoshida. Yeah, the first of many victims of where the package you, pile driver. Where were you the night that Yoshida got beat by Owens? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so next up we had Yuji Nagata and Toa Hanare taking on the team of Tomohiro Ishii and Yoshihashi. This was a very good match. Everybody delivered here. We got a little prelude of the Ishii and Nagata matchup that would be happening um, day one of the New Japan Cup. And it was a thing of beauty whenever Ishii and Nagata were in there. Yeah, I think we expected big things from this match, and this didn't fail to deliver. You know, you always kind of wonder what the, uh, you know, what the aptitude is going to be for a match's, uh, you know, potential when it's, you know, second match in. But I think for being second match in, this match really delivered. I mean, it was definitely a notable little tag team match. I mean, at, you know, 12 minutes, these guys got time to work. We got to see the violence that would be Ishii and Nagata. We got to see Hanari and Ishii run it back. And uh, Yoshihashi wasn't too bad here either. So, I mean, everybody, you know, served their purpose well. And, I mean, this was a this was a good little preview match. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I love any time we can get Nagata and Ishii and Ishii and Hanare in the ring together. The near falls at the end were really good. A lot of saves, a lot of uh, times where like they kind of teased you and made you think like Nagata's going to get the win. Oh, Hanari's going to get the win. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was it was good, man. It was yeah, good. Good stuff. So then we have another uh, 10-man tag here with... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. Don Callis joined commentary. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Big Don, he uh, flew in on the copter like as usual, <laughs> flying in late. On that uh, that Nordholm money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, he joined. Shout uh, out to Caleb. <laughs> he joined uh, Kevin Kelly and Boom Boom Colt Cabana at the commentary booth, uh, which then brought us this ten man tag with uh, Satoshi Kojima, 
Tomioka Hanma, Tiger Mask, Risuke Taguchi, and Dragon Lee taking on Suzuki-gun of Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, Kanamaru, Desperado, and Taka. And before this match started, we got the miraculous return of Hiromu Takahashi. Mouths were agape. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, you must have had a different feed than I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was no... It's funny, because you know, I, I was trying to stay off Twitter this day so I wouldn't get spoiled. But then I, I opened up Twitter and I saw the trending thing. And I saw that Hiromu was trending. Oh. So for a second, I was like, oh, Hiromu's <laughs> back. But it was actually so many people tweeting that Hiromu didn't show up. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. That his name was trending. I'll tell you what. I actually forgot like that I wasn't too worried about getting spoiled for whatever reason. I was just on in, like Instagram and... I'm not on Twitter, obviously, but I was on Instagram, and like, I'll be honest with you, I didn't see any spoils for this show. It, it, it that was surprising to me because even like, Cork and Hall shows, I usually experience spoilers. And for whatever reason, even to this day, I haven't seen much. I've seen a lot about the New Japan Cup, but it's kind of like this. Maybe the, maybe I don't know because I'm not as connected as you. But do you feel like maybe this show flew a little under the radar? It didn't seem like I saw a lot I, I about it. I think it online. did. I think it kind of got swept under the rug a little bit. Like it was there, and either you watched it or you kind of missed it. And then like New Japan Cup started, so it's like it's kind of a shame because this is. Uh, we'll get to it, but you know, in my opinion, since the Tokyo Dome, this is the best show that they put on this year. Oh yeah, I mean. This can definitely, as of right now, be a show of the year can, can, uh, yeah. Yeah, candidate in our uh, year in awards. Yeah, this was this is exactly what you want out of New Japan, and um, it was just so surprising. So so there was so little fanfare, so little buzz for this show. It felt like you know. Yeah, um, and back to this match. I mean, this match. The purpose was you know hyping up the New Japan Cup matches with guys on each side. And eventually, it, it came down to uh, Taguchi and Taka. Uh, Taguchi hits the Bomaye, um, then he hits the Dodon and pins Taka. Yeah, uh, this was a match. It happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next, this, this is the uh, the Suzuki Goon three star special. Yeah. You know the attack, brawling in the crowd, shenanigans, heat, comeback. Everybody, everybody running in, doing their moves. Yeah, it was, it was, it was fine. It was what you'd, you'd expect. Uh, so then we had the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship this, match. This is where business picked up, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we had Shingo and Bushi taking on Sho and Yo of Rapungi 3K. And this was a great matchup between these two teams. Uh, this match was filled with a ton of callbacks from their previous encounters and even callbacks from matches where it was Bushi and Hiromu teaming. Um, there was a lot of callbacks to that and just, you know, overall just a really well laid out match. A lot of great back and forth action. I loved it. Yeah, I, I thought this was really good. Seeing Sho and Yo really like fill, or I'm sorry, Sho and Shingo fill their roles right away, trading strikes and the clotheslines and just basically being the, the hosses of the junior division. You know that that rivalry has been simmering and building for a long, long time. Um, yo, you know, flying all over the place. It, it is interesting. You kind of have like mirror images in a way. You know, not to say I I don't think obviously that Bushi's as good as Yo, but you have very similar, 
dynamics to the team elements between these two guys. And yeah. that's very apparent throughout this match. But um, I think really what it really came down to is Sho and Yo being so familiar with one another and their cohesiveness as a tag team versus kind of taking on Shingo in like a one one-off capacity like you know Bushi's there but Bushi's hardly doing anything I mean right not to take anything away from him he he had he hit suicide dives and you know he spit the mist and he was doing stuff but again it was the Shingo show and it was really like who's gonna win out the dominance of Shingo or the tag team excellence of Rapongi 3k and I mean they told a really great story here really fast hard-hitting action-packed I'll, I'll go as far to say that I think that this is the best junior tag match that I've seen since last year, probably the Rapongi 3K uh, Young, Bucks. Young Bucks matches. Yeah. I mean, this was really good. And they got a lot of time, 17 minutes. Everybody got their stuff in. And the close to this match was, like, just excellent. Yeah, you know, yeah, Bushi hits a suicide dive, shows uh, German Shingo, and then uh, Bushi misses the show. Then we get a huge pumping bomber by Shingo. He killed him. Yeah, just yeah, destroyed him. Then they hit the rebellion, but then Yo makes a save. Uh, Bushi goes to the top. He goes for the MX. He misses. Uh, Yo jumps in, and they hit the three K. One, two, three. We have new IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions, Rapungi Three K. And that really speaks to what I was saying there, because up until that moment, Shingo was dominating the way he was. Bushi was doing his auxiliary stuff, but, you know, it's the timing and the ring awareness that Rapongi 3K has, you know, and that's kind of the story that they told that they they kind of learned from their mistakes facing this team time time and time and time again. And yeah. They're, they're able to kind of capitalize on some of these rookie mistakes that maybe like Shingo and uh, uh, Bushi have made. Um, before we move on, I, I guess my question is, where do we go from here? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because we have a question from Muzza who says, um, who do you see challenging Rapungi 3K for the tag titles? And uh, that's kind of a hard question to ask, because I mean, to answer, because, you know, there's really not many teams right now in the junior division. I mean, they've already, you know, feuded with um, Kanemaru and Desperado. Um, I mean, there's Tiger Mask and Jushin Liger. You can, I think that's done. Yeah, I mean... I feel like New Japan really needs to bring in some new junior tag teams. Well, we do have a team that there's speculations about, you know, coming up in the future here. But um, I don't know if we're ready to talk about that. But at this point, I really don't know who who takes them on next. Um, obviously, you could hypothetically do a rematch. You know, um, you could do <laughs> uh, Suzuki, Suzuki Goon Juniors again. Which it does feel like at this point in time that there might be a little bit of unres- like some uh, some unfinished business between Rapungi 3K and uh, the- and you know Kanemaru and Desperado. That's another possibility. Yeah. Um, but with the best of Super Juniors kind of looming just here in a few months, that might open up the possibility for some new junior team you know combinations and that sort of thing. It's really hard to say though. I mean. Right now, it's a three-team division that that have all faced each other in almost every possible combination over the past year that you can imagine. Right. So, and I mean, this has been the best match out of that entire, you know, over a year feud by far. 
So I don't know what, what like how much more I expect from that. And um, I don't know, man. Sometimes it just does feel like they need to combine these divisions. Yeah, I mean, we've been saying that since we started this show, that just get rid of the junior belts and just have one big tag division. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent of that. You know, I... I even think back today. I was thinking about you know the Young Bucks and when they were the champions, and it's like there's they had some really good matches when they were the champions, but they only wrestled like two teams, mm-hmm. three teams, and we were really I remember we were like thinking about all the possibilities and like how it breathed new life in the division, and it kind of didn't because they just ended up facing the same couple guys. And it's like, but what would happen if you threw a Rapongi 3K into the heavyweight tag team division? Or, like, what if you threw Kinemar and Desperado? I mean, things would that would shake things up a lot. Yeah. So, I don't know, yeah, man. And that would help freshen up the heavyweight tag team scene, because that's another division that could get stale quickly. It's, it's When you bad. just have it's G.O.D. Bad. and um, K.E.S. and Evil and Sonata as the, the main three teams that are fighting each other over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be much healthier just to combine those those two divisions. And yeah. I mean, we don't bring it up every episode. I think it's something we've said on the air many times. But I mean, I just wonder, like, where do we go from here? It seems like Shingo's not long for being in the junior oh. tag division. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm, this guy's a star. Yeah, I'm seeing a, a Shingo run in the best of the super juniors in a couple months. Um, so yeah, I, I highly I mean, do. Shingo's gonna be in the G one too. Shingo and Chase Owens gonna be like <laughs> a block final match. It's gonna be great. Um. I mean, you know, as far as you know, junior tag teams. I think if I were them, maybe bring in a team from CMLL, um, put put a junior team there for a possible defense. That's a possibility. But we we shall see. We shall see what comes next. But I mean, you know, we later in the year they got a junior tag league again, and it's like, who's going to be in that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know anymore. So um, speaking of juniors, next we had the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match. The champion, the Bone Soldier, Taiji Ishimori, defending against Jushin Thunder Liger. And another great junior match following this junior tag match. They had a hot crowd. The crowd was so invested into this match. Yeah. Um, they wanted Liger to win this match so bad. Um, Liger once again just turns the clock back. You would think that you were watching, you know, 1990, you know, early 90s Jushin Thunder Liger here. This man just pulls it out every time in a big match, no matter how old he is. What I really liked about it was how in the early parts of the match, Liger really just tried to ground him a lot and kind of work the submission game that he has. You know, uh, bust out the Romero special, like I've mentioned last week. Yeah. Um, Dragon Sleepers. And just being really crafty, real, you know, a real, like, astute veteran. But then, um, as Ishimori started to, like, kind of fire back, Liger just stuck with him, like, toe-to-toe, like, the whole time. And um, the, the, the great thing about it was, like, Liger wasn't, like, trying to hurt this guy or go on big, long tangents. Liger was trying to win. Yeah. Every time Liger, like, hit something... He would follow it up with a pinfall, and, like, he was trying to get this guy out of here. And Ishimori was, like, fighting for his, like, life the whole time. Right. Well, the whole story of the match, it was almost like, you know, even though Ishimori is a champion, he's younger and, you know, a rising star, he was almost the underdog going into this match. And yeah. they were kind of telling the story, like, he's a little bit psyched out and, you know, kind of, you know, kind of almost nervous in a way to be in the ring with, you know, one of the, probably one of the best 
junior heavyweights of all time in Jushin Thunder Liger. I mean, Liger's the Liger's the greatest junior yeah. of all time. And um, you know, he it's almost like he psyched himself out, especially after taking the pinfall that quick uh, pinfall at the Honor Rising show. You know, Liger was in his head and. Like yeah, like you mentioned like Liger was just keeping up with Ishimori, and just sometimes even outpacing. Liger almost won the title off of a countout when he hit him with that. Ba- uh, he hit that uh, apron cannonball, mm, yeah. and then and then a brainbuster on the floor. And I was like, oh my god, like he's about to win the belt. <laughs> <laughs> this and man, this man, Liger trying to go into MSG as champion. You know, bro, like. Some of some of my favorite '80s matches in, involve like countout wins, and not, like you know, I know people nowadays like it doesn't vibe with the current culture that's around, and I and I agree with that. I I see why, but every now and again, like maybe do a countout, and they teased it to perfection. I was like, oh my god, yeah, Ishimori about to take this belt got in this literally at the last second. Um, there was a great near fall right after that with um, Liger hitting the Liger bomb. Uh, the crowd popped big for that one. Uh, he had a top rope Hurricanrana. Oh yeah, like like yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I really like, I really appreciate Liger uh, treating this like the big match it was, and kind of you know we don't see him do all you know we don't see Liger bombs every day, and you know the uh, you know all the all these different moves that he does, you know the capo uh, kick and all that. Yeah, but um, he really brought it here. It was awesome. Yeah, and uh, then towards the end here, uh, Liger hits the crucifix pin, gets another close near fall on Ishimori, falls up with a Thez press, but then uh, Ishimori cuts him off, um, gets him in the label lock. Uh, Liger tries to roll through, uh, but Ishimori just kind of rolled him back in the middle, and uh, Liger was forced to submit. Yeah, that it was heartbreaking to kind of see that, but I think ultimately everybody kind of knew what, the score was what what was going to happen here, but the way they built this matchup and the 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 roles that these two guys played, they did enough to suspend your disbelief and to kind of start buying into the idea that maybe like Liger could get one last run with this thing. You know, um, Tanahashi won the belt this past year at the Tokyo Dome, so you know it's not like anything's impossible, right? Um, and I mean Liger delivered here. I mean this was a, a great matchup here. Yeah, um, Liger really delivered. I would actually. Am I, do you think I'm out of line in saying that so far in 2019 this is the best junior match of the year? Yeah, I can't. I can't think of anything. What else? Who else has Ishimori wrestled one on one? He wrestled Kushida. I was not impressed with that match. And yeah. Then he wrestled Taguchi, which was a great match, but uh, you know. Yeah, I would definitely say I like this Liger match better than the Taguchi match and better than the Kushida match. Unless you wanted to like count something from like the uh, Fantastic Mania tour, like maybe Soberano and um, and Carbonario, which was mm, great. Yeah. But you know, I would actually, I would say so far, and I'm including Junior Tags. I think that this right now, and I think I'll probably get knocked out, but this is my leading contender for Junior Match of the Year already. Yeah. In 2019, and I, um. You know, I wasn't five stars on it, but because of the uh, the nostalgia factor, the the emotion behind it, you know, the nostalgia, everything, it was really good. And um, you know, we put a lot of praise on on um, Liger, but Ishimori was excellent. In this oh match. yeah, I mean, this man Ishimori is incredible. Just the lightning speed he has, and you know, I just I love his move set and what he brings to the table. That, that yes lock. 
Yeah, the yes lock. <laughs> they, they mentioned that on commentary on one of the New Japan Cup shows, uh, one of the tag matches that, um, you know, he's a big fan of Daniel Bryan. And, you know, even though it's called a LaBelle lock, he wants to call it the yes lock because he, he loves Daniel Bryan so much. I, that must mean he's probably not a fan of the new Daniel Bryan. No, nah, Ish, Ishimori is just like Rich. <laughs> he's not with this new Daniel Bryan shit. Uh, Post-match, uh, after after the match's over, Ishimori uh, grabs Mike and he asks for a challenge. Yeah. And well, he, and he said he, he was actually he was calling out a Ring of Honor. He said, Yeah, he said he wants someone from Ring of Honor to come face him at MSG. Um, but instead, we got the return of this man. Dragon Lee, he comes out. He says, you know, I'm not from Ring of Honor. I am from CMLL. And, uh, you know, pretty much saying, you know, I'll accept your challenge for Madison Square Garden. Ishimori uh, talked back to him in Spanish, saying, you know, I, I speak Spanish. And kind of talked back of him because, you know, Ishimori spent a lot of time in Mexico. And then um, Ishimori accepted the challenge. And um, we thought that we would be seeing Ishimori and Dragon Lee one-on-one. But then... Um, Later on, Ring of Honor put out a video of Bandito um, wanting to be in the match. So we, we're going to have a, a triple threat match for the title in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about that now? <laughs> uh, yeah. so, since it kind of seemed like a pretty like hot topic, a lot of people had a lot of opinions on this. Yeah, might as well, since we're, we're here and it's uh, relevant. Um, yeah, there's a, a lot of people I saw... Um, on the internet were very disappointed that they added Bandito into this matchup. Now, what, how are you feeling about this? Um, you know, I just... Uh, when I think about it, it's not... I don't know. It, it, it's a Ring of Honor New Japan show, you know? Um, would I love to see a singles match? Like, absolutely. But at the same time, it's like... They got to get as many guys on the card as they possibly can. And not every match has to be an epic one-on-one encounter. Like, this is not going to be Wrestle Kingdom. I'm, I'm sorry to inform, you know, some of you. I know that we would all... I'm going to be at the show, and I'm sure a lot of you will. And, you know, the rest of you listening are probably going to be watching it on Honor Club or on New Japan World. Um, but I don't, I don't understand why people are are so disappointed. I get like not maybe preferring the the triple threat, but it's kind of like, well, they got to get as many bodies as they possibly can. A, B, um, you know, it's the junior, it's the junior style. They're probably going to have a blow away match. C, it's Bandito. And if you guys are not familiar with Bandito, like I can't imagine a better guy from Ring of Honor to throw into this. And let's be clear here. This is a dream match as it stands right now. Bandito, <laughs> who's not a CMLL guy, just so you guys are aware. Like, I don't know if you guys are aware. This guy who has wrestled for, like, The Crash, you know, The Independence, I believe AAA. So seeing him and, like, Dragon, Dragon Lee in a match together is kind of like, holy crap. But then you're also getting Ishimori, and it's like, where else could this happen? And then you're seeing it happen in Madison Square Garden. It's like... There's a lot of reasons to be excited for this. Final point, and I just want to say this. All you Marks who are getting mad, and I'll, I'm calling you Marks because some of you guys are just being a little Markish here. And like, let's be real, you're being a little Markish. Just own up to it. If you're getting mad about this, it's kind of dumb because guess what? These guys are probably all going to wrestle each other in the best of the Super Juniors in like 
a month after this show. So you're going to get what you want anyways. So what are we complaining about? Right. And first of all, I'm, I am never going to complain about Bandito being added <laughs> to any match. Give me all the Bandito you can. You know, all in weekend, we saw Bandito wrestle like three times that weekend. I'm down for seeing Bandito wrestle as many times as I can in one weekend. Bro, the first time I saw Bandito last year at WrestleCon Super Show, I did not know who he was. Neither did I. And it's still one of the greatest... Uh, one of the greatest like live performances, live matches I've ever seen in my life. I mean, that was like a special moment. Yeah, dude, that was like, yeah, that was that was like a highlight. And like, I don't feel like enough people saw it or understand. Like, I've never seen lucha on that level in my life. Yeah, this man Bandito is incredible. He's on a, he's on a next level. And this match is gonna be blow away. All three of these guys are gonna be flipping and flopping and diving all over the place. Like you mentioned, it's gonna be that traditional junior-style matchup in a three-way. I love it, I think it's a great idea. And like you mentioned, people have to remember, this is Ring of Honor and New Japan present G1 Supercard. Because believe it or not, without Ring of Honor, New Japan is probably not getting into Madison Square Garden. You know what I think they should do for the Ring of Honor uh, New Japan show? I think they should like, cut the ring in a diagonal mm -hmm. and on one like one half of the ring is like the black and red and all that and the american pads and, and, and the american pads and then on the other side it's the blue and the white and the japanese pads and like keep it separate that way that'd be pretty cool would it i mean like i was saying it kind of facetiously but it sounds kind of cool it, yeah it does <laughs> y'all listening i know someone from the office is listening y'all better uh Y'all decided to do this. Y'all better pay your boy. That's all I'm saying. Cut the check. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm looking forward to this this three way match. I, it's gonna be. Well, I mean, what? Well, you're more on Inst or on uh, Twitter than I am, and I'm from what I understand, a lot of people are like really up in arms about this, like pissed. Yeah, people are. You know, oh, why? Why are we getting a one on one championship match? You know, one on one match is it's more prestigious. It's better. Blah 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 blah. Last week, I was like, let's get six people. Put this belt on a hook and make him <laughs> climb a ladder. Try, <laughs> like talk about prestige. I wanted them to climb a ladder. It's barbaric. And like you mentioned, don't forget, New Japan is a Japanese promotion. They gotta save big junior singles matches for all these big shows that we have coming up the remainder of the year. Yeah. You're telling me that they're they're not thinking about doing you know Dragon Lee Ishimori one on one later on in the show. Bandito Ishimori one on one later on. Bandito Dragon Lee. Yeah, like you mentioned, we got the Best of Super Junior tour coming up in May with some big venues towards the end of that tour. They have a lot of seats to fill. I understand these guys probably won't all be in the same block, and you know the the chances that they'll all end up wrestling each other in singles matches is a little, it's not super likely. But it's impossible that at least two of them aren't in the same block. So we're definitely getting. Some sort of one-on-one -on -one match between at least two of these guys. There's a possibility, though, they could all be in the same block. We could wind up getting singles matches between all three of them round-robin style. So I think it's a little overblown. <laughs> yeah. A little overblown. And it's like, just enjoy what you guys are getting, man. Like, you're going to see three of the greatest talents in the world today, like, go at it. Like, I, I don't really love... Triple threats, personally, I don't. But also, keep in mind, this is not the main event. This is an undercard match. Right. <laughs> it's an undercard match. Um, the other thing, too, is like my favorite type of triple threat match 
are like those old X Division matches. Oh, yes. Oh, bro. You know what I'm saying? Dude, I love me, you know, Samoa Joe, uh, AJ and Daniels. Yeah. You get uh, Chris Sabin, uh, Michael Shane, and Frankie Kazarian. Dude, all those three-way combinations they would do back in the day in Impact, bro, were fire. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of what I'm seeing here. So, I don't I don't see the complaint. Like, um, And, hey, if you're upset about it but you, you didn't act overblown, I don't mean to categorize you with everybody else. But uh, it just seemed like there was a lot of outrage this past week, and it's kind of crazy. Right. It's, it's not like they put, like, a horrible wrestler in this match. And let me just say this. Let's put the belt on Bandito. <laughs> Have him take the belt back to Ring of Honor, and that belt's going long gone. <laughs> this past, oh. I was talking to Rich this past week because he's been playing a lot of like Fire Pro, and he talked about how like you can uh, in the uh, in the promoter mode, you can invite a champion from another company to come to your league, yeah, and then book them to lose the belt. You take that shit. <laughs> <laughs> you make it your belt. Oh my gosh! And then you send them packing. Like you don't give them. You don't give them a rematch. That's what they need to do here. And become the Ring of Honor Junior Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> yeah. Joe Coffinessen. Bro, fans would lose their minds. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So that brings us to the next matchup. Here we have Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazuchika Okada, and Hiroki Goto. Taking on Lij of Tetsuya Naito, Evil and Sonata. Um, this was a good match. Uh, you know the crowd was really into seeing all of these big stars. Uh, they popped huge when Okada and uh, Naito got in the ring. So there's definitely some some juice still in that that rivalry in that matchup. They popped for that, but what they really popped for was when he took them. Uh, the the the, the, uh, the skirt off, off and the shorts. And he showed the shorts. This bro. man's this man's gonna be getting short pops for the for the rest of his life, bro. Yeah, I forgot which short it was, but Kevin Kelly asked Rocky, he's like, "How much longer is the shorts gonna get a pop, <laughs> bro?" For th- this is a for life thing, like yeah, this dude. Is like, I you know I I'm not even mad about the pants anymore. Like it took, it it's like sometimes in life you have to go through really bad things so you can appreciate the good things in life. And mm-hmm. like, you know, we had to endure. You know, a year of crap, so that we can have a lifetime of goodness. And the shorts are back, and all is right in the world. And uh, this man Okada is getting ready to, uh, you know, beat beat dusty old ass Jay White and uh, <laughs> take this title back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and uh, yeah, the shorts. Yeah, it's uh, it's always awesome that that he's back to the shorts, and they're, they're going to continue to get a pop for the remainder of the year. And um, all six of these guys here, I mean. This wasn't a blow-away match or anything. I mean, this, the main purpose of this match was to kind of give you a preview of what was to come in the New Japan Cup. You didn't uh, think this was blow-away? <laughs> no. What? Bro, I had this like four and a half. Yeah, we, we watched two different six-man tags. <laughs> My favorite part was when Hiromu came out at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Hiromu came out and helped LIJ win. <laughs> Oh, a masked man came out and uh, clubbed Tanahashi in the back of the head and then uh, pulled off the mask and it was the ticking time bomb. <laughs> we need to do some fantasy. It's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Hiromu. <laughs> but whose side is he on? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, he came out, he, t- he joined Chaos, he turned on yeah. LIJ. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, this match, it was fine. I mean, these guys, they hit, you know, their, their big... Uh, signature spots um, went back and forth, didn't do anything too crazy. 
um, came down to the end. Uh, Goto hits a Ushigoroshi on Naito. Uh, Sonata cuts him off with the skull end, uh, swings him. Uh, Goto counters out of that and hits him with the cradles him up with the Goto clutch for the win. Yeah, Goto picked up a win. That's what a surprise! That's surprising. <laughs> Um, so then we go to our main event of the evening, the IWGP Heavyweight Champion Switchblade Jay White takes on the never open weight champion Will Ospreay. Yeah, um very excited for this match when it happened. Um you know, the crowd was really into this and for good reason. This was an excellent match. Just um you know, I, I don't know if I would sit here and tell you that this was the match of the year or anything like that, but it's it's very interesting. It's like a sum of two parts. It's like two guys who, um, I don't even know how I want to describe it. It's like their individual, okay, their individual performances were almost better than the actual flow of the match itself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you, I mean, how did you feel? Is that kind of what you got out of it? I mean, overall, I mean, I thought it was just a really great uh, main event, and I thought both guys kind of worked hard. And like, they, it was like all the little things that they were doing. Right. It's like both guys, like you, you had Jay White, uh, you know, being the aggressive heel, being the chicken shit heel at some points in the match. You had Will Ospreay with this, you know, assassin gimmick, this like hybrid, high flying, strong style um, that he's developed. And both of them just kind of playing up to their strength and, like, coming together to make a really great matchup. Yeah. Um, Osprey did, so, like, was just real. His selling was excellent in this match. Yeah. And um, Jay White was, um, he worked over the ribs. Yeah, you know, his rib attack. Which was very smart because, you know, Osprey did have that rib injury, which almost took him out of Wrestle Kingdom this year. Consistency. <laughs> um, and Jay White. Just, Storytelling. Yeah. Jay White showing why he's one of the smartest, you know, the cerebral uh, assassin of uh, the New cerebral assassin. No, he's the cerebral assassin, <laughs> and uh, attack the weak spot and plus two. He's the king of kings. <laughs> uh, even he's if, the game. <laughs> even, and even if Osprey's ribs weren't injured before, attacking the ribs is a great game plan because it's all, his core, right? All of his high flying, he lands on his core. Um, the shooting stars and 450s and all these dives that he does, it's going to affect that midsection. So, the the real thing, and I think where the story was important here was that taking out that core ensured that he wouldn't have the the mobility or the body strength to get him up for the storm the stormbreaker. Yeah, stormbreaker. Yeah, the stormbreaker. And um, we saw that come into play here. But I mean, there was there was just so much to like here. Osprey being like a resilient. And fiery babyface, but not in an underdog sort of way. In a way to where, like, Jay White had to basically capitalize on one point of attack to avoid the onslaught that Will Ospreay... Ever since he's gotten this mean streak and ever since he's gotten this violent side to him, he he's coming off like a badass. Bro. Oh, yeah, I'm loving it. And, like, he was kicking the crap out of Jay White here. Now, Jay White would slow things down for sure and, you know, kind of get the upper hand a lot of times and he was very cerebral. Mm-hmm. But he he had to pick his spots and that was kind of the story here was like, you know, Will Ospreay attacking but selling the ribs while Jay White was trying to avoid like this onslaught from this young, hungry challenger. 
but timing the counters and that's kind of the new thing with Jay White. Now it's Dude, been yes. going on for a while now. Yeah, he's he's becoming one of the best counter wrestlers in New Japan right now. Um just the way he counters in out of maneuvers and finds ways to counter your big move into his big moves. It's it's great. It's a thing of beauty. I, I pop for it, man. It's awesome. It is funny. I, I, I hear so many criticisms about Jay White and I don't think they're all unfounded. I think there there is validity to maybe not all the criticisms, but the idea that people don't like Jay White. Mm-hmm. There's validity to that. If you don't like him, you don't like him. And I'm not telling. I, I've actually been criticized before because people have been like, I. We've had uh, listeners of the show be like, I don't like Jay White. Don't tell me to like him. I'm like, I'm not telling you to like him. I'm telling you the truth about him. He's good, but I'm never going to tell anybody to like this guy. And for whatever reason, with a lot of the fan base, he does not connect emotionally you know what i'm saying right um but there's this thing where like he is just so he does the little things so well and um you know if you don't like him you don't like him i get it but i will tell you this there's nuance to his wrestling there is a lot of thought and like a lot of um just intricacy to what he is doing in that ring the yeah. stories that a, he's telling a lot of attention to detail yeah so much attention to detail that's like if you're not pay- it, that's the one thing i won't stand for if people tell me they don't like him they don't like him if they tell me they think he's boring he's boring but when people tell me that like he sucks or that like he's not good like he had like he's get like these good matches he's having is getting carried i'm like what are you watching man because this dude is so in tune with his character and so like like dialed into what he's doing it is in a way he's like a like kind of a master in a way it's kind of crazy um i'm not saying he's like kenny omega and giving you blow away like dynamic you know action-packed matches but for what he is doing i mean there's almost a bret hart like like a Bret Hart, Eddie Guerrero sort of esque thing, where like every movement, everything he does matters. Like there's no like Jake Roberts, like right, no no the, wasted moment. Everything's psychology with him. It's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And so there are people who tell me like he has terrible facials or you know th- there's no psychology. And I'm like I don't know what they're say- seeing because all I see is pure psychology from this guy. Like, I think he has great facials uh, when he's on attack on the attack. I think he's you know very co- cocky, very arrogant, aggressive. And then when he's on the run, man, you can tell he, he's in danger and he's trying to back off and trying to find a way out. Now, I will say this. There was a lot of people that didn't like Jay White – or I'm sorry. They didn't like uh, Osprey looking so competitive and almost dominant in this match um, because he definitely did. I mean, like he looked like he had Jay White's number in this match. And, I, um, you know, that kind of was the story going into this match, the fact that – they wrestled when Jay White was a young lion. Osprey's got a win over him. You know, he, he's beaten him before. He could do it again. And that was kind of the story here. Even though he's the never champion, like, in a way, Osprey was kind of like the, the senior guy here. And that yeah. was kind of playing out a little bit. Um, what did you think about, like, there was a lot of people who were like, you know, Jay should have beat him cleaner, quicker, and easier. I mean, what did you think... No, I, I definitely I would, I would be against that view. Um, clearly, they have very big plans for Will Ospreay. Um, this year is all about elevating Will Ospreay, getting him out of the junior division. Um, he's starting his ascent into becoming a heavyweight and to and becoming a main event player in New Japan. 
So if you want to continue him on that trajectory, there's no way you could have him go into this match and have him, you know, get jobbed out in a 10-minute squash to Jay White. We, we saw the the battle he had with Kota Ibushi, a guy who has been in the main events, who's had incredible G1s, incredible tournaments, and is a key player for New Japan. Um, so it would make no sense for him to go toe-to-toe with Ibushi and not be able to go toe-to-toe with Jay White. And especially, like I mentioned, they're trying to push this guy to the main event scene. So you use this match to help elevate Will Ospreay. So yes, even though Ospreay lost this match, he still came out on the other side looking like a bigger star, somebody who can hang with the IWGP champion, and that plants a seed in your head. Can Will Ospreay be the IWGP champion in the future? Well, um, I think that... I know we're spending a lot of time on this. we got a lot to get into, but I think that there's a lot of interesting takes when it comes to this match. A um, couple things I want to bring up, but let's do this before we do that. Let's just cover the end of this match. Um, you know, so Osprey time and time again was looking for the Stormbreaker. Uh, couldn't, you know, because of the, the, the continuous rib attacks from Jay White was unable to uh, perform the Stormbreaker. Uh, he opted for head kicks. He went for a Robinson special. White ended up uh, countering the Oz Cutter into a crucifix with elbow strikes, which we actually haven't seen from him in a while. Yeah, and I kind of, I kind of pop for that because <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, Osprey countered the Blade Runner into a reverse Rana. Um, he tried to go for that back elbow. Um, both men were down. Osprey dropped the elbow pad, and at this point, Gato came in. And kind of distracted the ref because he what, what does he call it the off with his head yeah the uh, hidden blade the hidden he used to call it off with his head yeah, yeah he's yeah. he's changed the name a bunch of times um, Gato comes in to distract the ref um, and while that's going on White low blows Osprey the crowd goes crazy uh, he hits a half and half suplex that that crazy uh, love it I love yeah, it I love that half yeah. and half suplex um, he hits another suplex for the two count. White looks for the Blade Runner, gets countered. Osprey hits a sit-out powerbomb for a great near fall. Crowd pops. Osprey goes up top, uh, go imploding 450 connects for two. White makes it to the ropes. I mean, like, it, I, I thought he was about to win right there. And, like, I was like, I, I, I didn't even notice he was that close to the ropes. Um, Osprey looks for the Stormbreaker again, but gets countered. Osprey lands with a series of kicks. But then White counters the Oz Cutter into the Blade Runner, hits it proper, and boom! Osprey is done. Twenty nine minutes and ten seconds. Jay White defeats Will Osprey clean. I mean, other than that low blow, like clean. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you mentioned that minor distraction, but um, you know, Osprey came back from that, and then eventually um, White was able to catch him with that Blade Runner out of the Oz Cutter. I thought that was a great counter. Um, yeah, and I think a big story too uh, is what happened after the match. So after the match, you know, they're going on, Jay White's attacking Ibushi, uh, or excuse me, attacking Osprey, and then Ibushi makes the save from the beatdown, but then the Bullet Club comes in, and they're beating down Ibushi and Osprey, and then you had Tanahashi, Goto, and Okada kind of run them off, and then you were left with the scene of Tanahashi, Goto, Okada, Ibushi, and Will Osprey all standing strong in the ring. Um, kind of taunting each other about the New Japan Cup, but ultimately showing each other respect, shaking each other's hands, and you have like, this big, like, mega babyface team. The super friends. Yeah. I was hoping that when Ibushi and Osprey were getting beat up, that Kenny Omega would come out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But no, yeah, that was that was interesting, and so that ended the show. All in all, I thought that this show was great. We got 
you know, several good matches, but three great matches in the main event, the junior tag match, as well as the uh, junior heavyweight uh, title match. Um, Jay White was very aggressive in this match. Yeah. Like, you know, we talked last week about how I, I, I mentioned how I felt like both guys would have to kind of compensate and meet, meet one another in the middle. And that's kind of what we saw here was we saw a more aggressive Jay White, which is something people have criticized fairly. And I feel like he's starting to, you know, fulfill that. And then we, Will Ospreay was still athletic, still dynamic, but we saw him kind of slow things down and, and work a, a, a bit more methodical, but a bit more measured and violent pace as well. So this was, uh, I mean, this was like what I'd call heavyweight New Japan style match. I mean, it was really good. Yeah. Um, and we we have, have questions? Yeah, a lot of questions here. I um, got questions too, so that, that's good. <laughs> Um, first comes from uh, Mick Strhd. He says, "Who do you think should challenge Osprey for the never the never open weight championship?" Well, I was hoping that we would get some sort of defeat, possibly in the uh, New Japan Cup, that would you know necessitate a title challenge. But it doesn't seem so far like that's going to be the case. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> So maybe um, the last guy who beat him needs to challenge. Jay White needs to put a title a title challenge title out. Title No, he just needs to challenge for the Never. He, he's not putting his belt on the line. <laughs> he needs to collect the Never belt. He needs to get that Austin Aries gimmick where he becomes the New, the Japan, <laughs> the New Japan belt collector. Be like a Kurt Angle and yeah. TNA in like 07. Win all the belts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I, who, do you, who, do you, who could you see like challenging Osprey? That would be like interesting. Well, I'm not sure how soon they'll do it, but I definitely think there is money in a Ibushi Osprey rematch. Uh, I'm not sure how long you wait for that. Maybe Dominion, uh, maybe after the G1, maybe the Royal Quest with, with it being a UK show. It, it did also seem after the Ring of Honor shows that Jeff Cobb is a, a possible viable challenger for that belt. So that's another possibility, but um. Just looking at the landscape of like New Japan, is there anybody that you could say like I would like to see them step up and challenge for the Never title? You know, against Will Osprey. Uh, I would love to see uh, Shingo. Um, oh God! Oh <laughs> he, God! Take my money. <laughs> he's you know he's a guy that's often re- referred to on commentary as a open weight wrestler. Yeah, it's true. So I mean that would make all the perfect sense to run Shingo and Shingo would fuck up Will Osprey. <laughs> That, that's a great pick. Like, that's a really, really... I wish I would have thought of that. Um, yeah, man. And we had another question about this kind of situation from Reddit user um, Asai Yojimbo. He says, What can be done to flesh out contendership for the Never Openweight title? Should it actually involve junior and heavyweight challengers? Um, I don't know. I, I understand the question, and, it, and it's, a, it's a valid question. But, I mean... It's New Japan Pro Wrestling, so you know what's going to happen. Someone's going to come out after a title match and point and say, I want the belt, and then he's going to get a title shot. That's how we flush out title challengers. Or, or he loses, gets gets pinned in a multi-man match. Yeah. Those are the ways we flush them out. Like, I think, based, I'm just inferring, based on the question, it sounds like, well, how are we going to figure this out? Are we gonna? Is there going to be a ranking system? Is there going to be a, a, tournament, a tournament? A battle royal? Uh, yeah, and it's like, nope, nope. Someone's going to get pissed in the middle of a multi-man match and then be like, 
I want your belt. <laughs> and then Jay White, and then uh, Osprey's gonna be like, "Let's do it." And then Kazuna Road, <laughs> <laughs> destruction in Hir- Destru- Hiroshima, destruction in Kobe. Like it, that's what's gonna happen. So um, I will say this: I love that the title's open weight. I'm glad that they're pushing the open weight thing. Is anyone on there gonna ask us a question about Will Osprey's status as his weight class? Because um, I feel like we need to talk about that real quick before. Yeah. So well, there, there's a question about him as a main event guy um, from Twitter user at Headband Brother. He says, "Do, do you like Headband Brother? <laughs> do you like the apparent report that Osprey is the next long-term main event guy for New Japan, and that there isn't any really main fresh Japanese talent being built up to the main event level?" Great question. So I think what he's referring to is uh, this past week on the Pacific Rim podcast. Um, it's Fumi Saito, right? Yeah. Fumi Saito um, basically said that his his um, sources in New Japan are ha- told him that the guy that they see as being the potential replacement for Kenny Omega as far as being an ambassador in the West and being like a worldwide superstar is Will Ospreay, which is interesting because – you know, earlier this year, Dave, Dave Meltzer had kind of said that Jay White was sort of being seen as the number one guy, Jin, kind of given the booking opportunities that Kenny would have been given had he, he resigned. Um, and that does seem to be the case right now. I mean, he's at the top of the company, but also everyone can kind of see that handwriting on the wall. The same way we saw that Saber was in line for a big push, everyone can kind of see Will Ospreay's in line for a big push. It's right mm-hmm. there in front of us. Um, but I mean, as far as his question he's like how do we feel about him being pushed as a main event guy pretty much right yeah so i mean what do you think <clears throat> dude i love it i mean i, I think do too osprey's incredibly talented guy you know he was addicted to me wrestlemania last year oh by the way yeah somebody on twitter was like why doesn't the young boy like will osprey can he explain that story i forgot to ask you about it last week do you do you want to go give any detail into what happened and why you don't like will osprey okay yeah whatever like we we have a pretty large audience, but it's not, like, that crazy. So I'll just tell you guys. This is what happened. So, you know, I'm not a mark for wrestlers the way that, like, other people are. And I'm not, like, putting anybody on blast. I'm just – I'm not. Like, I'll tell you. I'll never pay – I would never pay, like, $25 for a meet and greet to go meet a wrestler. Like, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, like, for Tanahashi. <laughs> But, like, for most wrestlers, I, I wouldn't do that. And, like, I've, you know, we, we interact with wrestlers all the time. We meet them out and about. And I'm cool with that. I love it. We'll say what's up. But I'm never, I've never asked a wrestler for an autograph. I've never asked a wrestler for a picture or anything. I've asked them, like, yo, let me get your contact info so we can do a podcast. But that's, like, about it. Um, but last year, you know, our show was pretty new. And... We got the bright idea. We're like, well, let's start asking some of these wrestlers to like do drops for us for the show, you know. And that's how we've got some of these, uh, some of these lovely intros that we got. We got one from like Rocky Romero, who was like awesome. Zack Saber Jr., Juice, Juice, uh, Scorpio Sky, all kinds of guys. Well, you know, not everybody did it for free. Um, Rocky didn't do it for free. In fact, Rocky, Rocky, I'll tell you what, Rocky would have done it for free, but I actually gave him money because I, he was. A, a, when I asked him, it wasn't like we we're out and about. He was at his booth. So I was like, and no one else was there. I just, it, and it's not that people weren't at his booth. The wrestling matches were going on, but he was chilling at his booth. So there wasn't a lot of people out there, anyways. And I just walked up, said, What's up? 
And then I was like, you know, can I, can I, I asked him, I was like, can I give you, you know, whatever the amount of money he was asking for autographs? Like, can I give you that money to do a drop? And he's like, oh, you don't have to give me money. I'll, you know, he's like, you want an autograph? You want a picture? I was like, no, I just want you to do the drop. He's like, bro, I'll do the drop. So I, we came to an agreement and he did it. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Anyways, Will Ospreay had a line later after the show. And I was like, dude, how cool would it be to get Will Ospreay to do this? So, like, I, I, like it was during intermission. It wasn't after the show. It was during intermission. It was during the Rep Pro show. So I waited in a line. And it was a long line. <laughs> like, a long line. So then I get to the end of the line. And, like, Will's busy. Understandably, he's, like, the top guy of, like, WrestleMania weekend other than, like, Matt Riddle. It's a madhouse. But I was just like... I would, I, I, like, I'm a pretty good talker, you know, I do sales for a living, like, you know, and I'm pretty cool with wrestlers, and I was like, and he's like, he's like, let's take a picture, and I was like, I was like, actually, I don't, I don't want to take a picture, and I don't want your autograph, I was just hoping that, uh, I was like, I do a New Japan podcast, I was hoping that maybe I could just get a drop, and I'd, I'd still give you the money, and he was like, oh, no, 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 I don't do podcasts, I, I never do podcasts, and I was like, oh, no, I don't want you to do a podcast, I was like, I was like, it's it's okay. I was like, I just was gonna see if you'd want to do a drop. And he's like, mate. He like looked at me and he's like, mate, move the fuck along, move. And the way he said it to me, I was like really shocked because like a like people don't talk to me like that. And like he was a dick. <laughs> like he was literally a real life dick. D i r l. Yeah, a dick in real life. And um, we still praise him on the show all the time. Like he's top five wrestler, but like. I've never had a wrestler talk to me like that ever, never, ever, ever, ever. And, um, yeah, like I was kind of pissed. Like it hurt my feelings. <laughs> like I was like, I went back to my seat and I was like, did that just really fucking happen? Like the way that he said that to me, like he just shut me down. Like it was really rude. And, uh, I don't think I'm the first person who's ever said something like this about Will Ospreay. Well, yeah, yeah. I've I've heard various stories of people having not the best interactions with him in public, and plus, you know, there are times when he kind of goes off, goes on Twitter and says something really stupid. But like, uh, Jeremy, I think you can vouch for me. Like, do I come off like some crazed Stan? No, I mean, out of all of the, the social suplex guys, you're probably the least markiest of us all. You know. Yeah, and I was like, bro, I was really respectful and really cool, and. I would have been fine with him saying no. That was not the issue because not everybody does podcasts, you know. And if any of these guys we ever asked to do it said no, no problem. Um, but it was the way he like he looked at me and he was like, like, like he gave me the Shawn Michaels get the fuck out of my ring. Yeah, this is my ring. Get so, out my face, jabroni. Yeah, he called me a jabroni, bro. Uh, so that's what happened with me and, <laughs> and Will Osprey. Um, actually, a few weeks ago. I was on another I was on a group on Facebook and I'm not even I don't frequent this group but they put a post out that and they have a lot of members and they're like name one wrestler you've had a bad interaction with in life and tell me like in real life and tell me about it like who it was and what happened and there was like I'll, bro I'm telling you there was probably like hundreds of comments and it seemed like every 3 or 4 of them it was about Will Ospreay. Wow. So that's just what I'm saying like I'm not the only person who's ever had this. I didn't know. I don't know anybody in this group, so I was like, "Apparently, this happens a lot." <laughs> yeah, yeah, incredible performer, but probably not the best person. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Maybe he, who knows? 
he was wrestling a lot that week. He just came off that injury. Maybe he just wasn't having a good day. I can't say for sure. Yeah. But uh, but back to the question, with all that being set aside, I still think um, he could be a long-term main event guy, or at least as long-term as, as his body Bro, his body lasts. I was watching this match, and I thought, like, he's going to be the IWGP champion. Yeah. I know last week when people asked us about his potential, I'd said, like, I thought that was his ceiling, but, like, now I'm like, maybe that's not his ceiling. <laughs> like... He came off like a bona fide, like true, like this guy has it sort of deal. Um, so I think it's well. Two things I wanted to ask you: like, what do you think about the fact that a they're saying that that they see him based on his age and his athleticism and all that as being like the top guy, and then b what do you think about them still billing him as a junior? So, as far as him kind of being you know top guy and top you know. Star Bay face, I think he he has the skill set it takes to be a top guy. I think with the style that he wrestles, I mean he could you know reach that Kenny Omega level and reach out to Westerners. Um, hopefully he he can provide a better fan experience to get to that popular <laughs> get to that popularity. But um, yeah, he has all the, the tools it takes to be a top guy. He has amazing matches. He can talk. Uh, you know, he speaks English. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm all behind that. Um, and then as, as far as them still building him as a junior, um, I think it's just kind of all part of the process and the transition of him becoming a heavyweight. And there have been a couple times where they, they refer, actually have referred to him as open weight, and they've mentioned that, you know, he's literally a couple pounds away from, you know, meeting the heavyweight um, weight limit. I just think it's a, it's a kind of a great way to tell a story of somebody transitioning instead of just all of a sudden one big match and then, oh, this guy's a heavyweight now without this kind of build and journey. I agree with that, but I, I think that the whole narrative of like him just being a few pounds away is like coming from the English commentary side. But like from the Japanese side, it seems like they're still saying like this guy's a junior. And even Will has on um, during the post-match interviews – mentioned how he is still a junior at this point in time so i think it's just, it's just real interesting that they got him oh. out here beating yeah. monsters and, and it could be too they're, they're still calling him a junior because he's going to be in best of the super juniors i didn't think he was going to be in it this year they might need him to be in it so that they can uh draw oh, draw house oh my god what if they do like what if what if they wind up for the finals doing like him and Ishimori like junior title versus never title like and you know what I mean that they right. might have to do that, that. Can, or you can do him and Shingo for real yeah him and Shingo oh my God. in the finals and then Shingo wins the junior title and what about then, Hiromu oh. oh dude there's so many possibilities there's so many po- yeah you're right they, that is a possibility I didn't think of that but um I thought this match was great I thought it was really really great what did you rate this uh four and a half I'm right there with you yeah yeah, um, we had a question here from Reddit user. Why did you do that, bro? He says, "Could Jay White drop the belt with zero defenses at MSG? Do you think it would be too much hot potatoing if he did?" No, that's. I'm not saying they're gonna do that, but they've done it so many times. Um, if you're familiar with the history behind, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling, 
it, it's not an unheard of thing for a guy to get their first IWGP title and then drop it right away. Naito pretty much did that. Um, uh, Okada did that. AJ Styles did that. They might have had one title defense, but not in all cases. The idea that someone had, and I mean, sure, this wasn't a title defense, quote unquote, but I mean, this kind of serves the purpose of the champion showing his dominance. So it's sort of an unofficial designation for what could have been a title defense. You know what I mean? Yeah. It kind of feels like that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Jay White dropped the belt at MSG. I wouldn't be surprised if he holds onto it for a while either. But um, yeah, no, that I mean. They've done that many times. Right. I, I definitely think there is very high chance of him dropping the belt at MSG. Um, and I don't think it's too much hot potatoing. I mean, New Japan usually does a very good job of kind of spacing out their title runs. Some title runs are long. Some are short. Not every title run is going to be this long, epic, year-long thing. Some reigns might last six months. Some might last three months. Some maybe a month. Um, some, you know, zero defenses two defenses, five defenses. Um, so all title reigns are different, and I like that about New Japan. So if he were to lose the belt at MSG, I wouldn't consider it a problem because um, whoever beats him will probably have a pretty lengthy reign um, until the next champion's crowned. I agree. I also wanted uh, – I didn't want to forget this portion of the question. Um, the question before that, he'd, he'd mentioned that there's not a Japanese – superstar on the horizon but it's like they have like six japanese superstars right now and i'm not saying that that's an excuse but it's like they got tanahashi they got okada they got suzuki they got ibushi they got naito who am i missing i mean those are the kind of the main the main like five main guys and then you have you know, you talk about up and comers. I mean, Evil and Sonata. Yeah, I was gonna say Evil and Sonata are, like the are, next are guys that they they are pushing. But then beyond that, like you have Shingo lurking. You got Hiromu lurking if he comes back. Ishimori. Well, Ishim- well as a as a heavyweight, not the heavyweight, but he's a, he's a star though. That's true, but I think he's talking more about heavyweights. Heavy, yeah. But then you also have to consider we have this incredible class of young lions, and someone is bound to break out. So, I don't think we really have to worry too much about there being a lack or a dearth of Japanese talent being pushed. This is still New Japan Pro Wrestling. They're still going to push Japanese talent. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think that that's anything to be worried about. All right. So, that wraps up the 47th anniversary review. Now, let's jump into the New Japan Cup. Um, let's talk about these tag matches. <laughs> In the sake of time and for your guys' entertainment, we are not really going to be talking about the tag matches. Uh, we're going to be focusing on the tournament matches. I only watched the tag matches. <laughs> so let's do this. Uh, we will we will cover each night, but we will give you a brief rundown of what happened each you know with the tag matches. So uh, on March eighth, the opening night, the New Japan Cup, Bad Luck Fale, Hikaleo. Taiji Ishimori defeated Will Ospreay, Mikey Nichols, and Ricky Romero, and <laughs> Ricky Rocky Romero via Ishimori Bloody Cross on Romero, six minutes and fifty-three seconds. Uh, Minoru Suzuki and Killer Elite Squad defeated Satoshi Kojima, Toru Yano, and to- Toa Hanari at eight minutes and twelve seconds. Evil and Bushi defeated Zack Saber Jr. and Taka Michinoku. That's a junior tag team. Mm. Zack Saber Jr. and Taka Michinoku. <laughs> <laughs> 
at five minutes and eight seconds. So Evil and Bushi uh, picking up the win there. Um, Tetsuya Naito and Sonata and Shingo Takagi. Wow, what a team, dude. Yeah. Defeated Kota Ibushi, Hiroki Goto, and Sho. Um, and then um, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazushika Okada, and Togi Makabane, uh, Hiroyoshi Tenzan defeated Michael Elgin, Shoto Umino, Colt Cabana, and uh, Ryosuke Taguchi. And then afterwards, a video package was played showing Rev Pro's El Phantasmo. And at the end of the video, the Bullet Club logo appeared. Yeah, so we're getting another junior in Bullet Club, El Fantasmo. He won the Rev Pro Super J Cup. Um, the British J Cup. British, excuse me, British J Cup. Um, yeah, talented guy. He's coming into New Japan. I'm assuming he'll debut in Best of the Super Juniors and join Bullet Club. Yeah, and you had actually speculated to me earlier this week. I was like, well, why are they bringing another junior? They got Eagles and Ishimori. And you were like, well... What if they did Eagles and felt El Fantasmo as like a Gaijin Bullet Club, like junior tag team, and I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, or even just having him more full time than Eagles. That's a possibility too. So you know, earlier someone asked us like, well, what's a team that could possibly challenge? It's like, well, the Bullet Club's got three juniors now, so they might have have somebody to kind of run it with. Mm. What did you before we move on? What did you think about? Um, Naito leaving the IC title in the middle of the ring at the end of his match. It was kind of weird, um, you know, because he's been saying he wants to be the first guy to hold the IC title and the IWGP heavyweight title at the same time. And um, he's been kind of treating the belt with a little bit more respect since he won it at Wrestle Kingdom uh, this uh, in January. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of weird that he just left the belt there. Yeah, I don't know. Weird. But we um we got the first match of the New Japan Cup first round match, uh, Yoshihashi taking on Manabu Nakanishi. Yeah, this wasn't you know great. Nakanishi. What do you mean it wasn't great? This was so great. <laughs> Nakanishi was high flying out here, man. Dude, Nakanishi he he, <laughs> he tried and worked really hard, but topes. Planchas. Dude, he hit the worst plancha <laughs> that I'd ever seen in my whole life. Would you dude. call? I don't think you can call that a plancha. He literally like jumped over the rope, jumped on the apron, like he like tripped over the rope, like fell on the apron, and then like fell on Yoshihashi. I think he realized he didn't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> he was like mid air, and he was like. Nah, I'm a bail. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna throw I'm he threw a flag on the play. Like literally yeah. he flagged, bro. Yeah. And he's like, I'm gonna take this bump, hardest part of the ring, fall into Yoshihashi. And, yeah. And it was smart. He preserved himself. Dude, yeah, this Yeah. He tried, but he did not succeed and he did a suplex off the second rope. Yeah. He did a cross body off the top. Yeah, he was trying to hit some high spots and Try you know try to make a big effort here, but um, yeah, I mean this it was a fine little opening match, but it was nothing special, nothing spectacular. I'm not gonna criticize Nakanishi or Tenzan because I've done that in the past and I've been lamb blasted for it. So I'm just gonna let their work speak for itself. So next time, like next time, I like if anyone like tries to like criticize me for like saying that these guys shouldn't be in singles matches, I'm just going to show, I'm just going to put up a gif of him like doing that plancha. <laughs> 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 no, I'm just, I'm just playing. 
But um, but yeah, eventually Yoshihashi gets the win here with the butterfly lock. He taps out Nakanishi. With all that said, I still thought Nakanishi should win. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so yeah. I thought it was like not good, but like in a crazy car wreck, like crash kind of way. This was kind of entertaining. Like it was yeah, an odd. Dude, I was laughing at all the stuff that Nakanishi was doing. Like I. I enjoyed this match for what it was. Uh, <laughs> so the second match of the first round, we got uh, Taichi taking on Tomoyoki Hanma. Um, 17 minutes and 56 seconds. What the heck, bro? Bro, this match... <laughs> it felt like it went on forever. It was so slow. and What did was... you think about Taichi coming through the crowd like he's Roman Reigns? Uh, well, I think he was I think he was trying to be Iska. Yeah, he was. Yeah, you know he he now has the he's the owner now of the Iron Glove. He had the satchel on, but he did not have the Iron Glove. That was interesting. Yeah, we did have Miho Abe though. Yes, that was good. Um, lucky crowd members there seeing her come through the crowd. Um, the <laughs> lucky. But yeah, but it, I always want it was I'll, maybe think about a comment that you mentioned. Like, is um, tai Chi gonna be like turned into a madman like he's starting to like he has the glove he's coming through the crowd like is he like gonna go into like this madness and like totally change up his character I don't know uh, we did get dueling Tai Chi chants in the beginning so like the go home Tai Chi and then you know the negative or the, the positive ones which is interesting but uh yeah, bro, this match, 17 minutes, why? Why, why, why? Yeah, this match did not need to go this long. Um, like we've mentioned several times on this show, Hanma hasn't been looking great since he's returned from injury. And, you know, it didn't look all that great here. Uh, I mean, like, Hanma really worked hard, you know, and did like a second rope like Kokeshi sit out Tombstone Pile Driver I mean like he was really trying hard but like I'm still scared watching him wrestle and I, I, I don't care and yeah this was and then they put him in there with Taichi bro like if you want to like try to showcase Hanma in some way like I don't know that Taichi's the dude you do it with so no. I just thought it was very the one thing I will say about this tournament is like the matches that you know are going to be great have been great but the matches that you think might not be so great have kind of lived up to that, too. Yeah. There's been no, like, oh, my God, I thought this was going to suck, and it blew me away. It's like, nah, everything that you kind of knew was going to be bad was bad. And uh, this was not good. Um, but Taichi did hit a very nasty-looking backdrop driver to win this match. That Yeah, but I was scared. I know. It's always like, <sighs> drop that man right on his neck. And, yeah, look, didn't look too good. Uh, well, the, well, the move looked good, but just the fact of Hanma landing on his neck was not good. Uh, yeah, so a backdrop driver, and then he fought Dragon Sleeper, taps out. Emperor's Crucifix Tomb. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, he moved to the second round. The next match, we got the crown jewel of the Bull Club, Chase Owens, taking on Juice Robinson. Yeah, the, the bracket buster match right here, the IWGP US champ versus the crown jewel, Chase Owens. Uh, this was a pretty solid matchup here between Juice and Owens. I enjoyed this a lot. Yeah, I mean, not that often we get to see Chase Owens wrestle in a, a long matchup like this. Um, so this match went 24 minutes. I think. I thought it was a little too long. It, it did go a little too long. 
I think they were just trying to really trying to showcase both of these guys and give them a lot and wrestle that New Japan style main event length kind of matchup. Yeah, I mean, I'll kind of cut to the chase. I felt like Juice was kind of dominant and they needed to do that because they were going to put Chase over. Chase did not I mean, yeah, he had near falls, but I didn't think he was winning. Um even though like all the a lot of people had like the curveball brackets. I know you had one. But I just didn't think Chase was winning. <laughs> and then he put him up for the like package and I was like, Oh Chase's about to win. <laughs> yeah, that, that man came out with new gear. Yeah, he did come out with new gear. You know, usually when Russell He's in a little bit better shape too. He's yeah. like lost a little bit of weight, he's looking a little trim. He's looking a little jacked. Vascular. Vascular. But yeah, you know, usually when wrestlers come out with the new gear, they're usually going over. You're not Chase Owens. <laughs> You're the crown jewel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Hit him with that package power driver. Put him away and gets the big win. So one can assume that Chase Owens will be in line for a IWGP US Championship match. And I know we were kind of talking about this match off air. And you said you weren't happy that Chase won. One of the, one of the guys who have been whoa bro. carrying the banner carrying the chase banner all year since we've been doing this show, bro. Why are you exposing my gimmick like your name is Ronda Rousey, bro? <laughs> I'm you, going I'm going off script. You stupid marks. You know he doesn't really like Chase Owens. <laughs> it's all fake. It's all scripted. My God, who even wants to see that crap? Anyways, um. Nah, man, I'm 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 happy for Chase getting the push. I'm I'm all for it. But here's my main thing: Chase is gonna probably get a title shot. I don't know where it's gonna happen. Maybe it's at Madison Square Garden. Maybe it's not. But it seems to me like shouldn't it's Madison Square Garden? Sure, Chase Owens is getting a push, but like, should he already be getting a title shot? Like at Madison Square Garden, my view is you got Ishii and Nagata in the next round. Why not elevate the title and have Ishii be Juice? That seems to make a little bit more sense to me. And sure, like maybe Ju- maybe Chase doesn't win this match, but maybe you make Chase look good in defeat, and then you give him a a push a little bit later on afterwards there's still time to do that instead what's gonna happen here i think a lot of people think like this chase owens like push is going somewhere and like you know where it's going it's going to him getting beat by juice and then he's gonna jump back to the back of the line this is not a real push well and you know you're you're kind of assuming that he's getting the title shot at madison square garden i don't know that he is i know It, it could be at one of these road two shows, and it could, and it, I mean, it could be a Ring of Honor guy that's getting a title shot against Juice at Madison Square Garden. It, it absolutely could be. I'm guessing, but the whole idea here is that what Chase Owens beat Juice, so he could get a title shot, right? Mm-hmm. And it makes sense because they're both U.S. guy, or they're both like Gaijin, both U.S. guys. This is what they like to do. This is kind of the idea of this title, and it kind of does make sense. But like, ultimately. Whether it happens at MSG, whether it happens in Japan, whether it just happens at an ROH TV taping in Lakeland. I don't know. <laughs> but I just don't – I think that they could have – Built it better. Built it better. The other thing too is like Juice is looking like a jabroni, bro. 
like I don't think I'm I'm all for Chase beating a top guy and stuff, and I know you can't have it both ways, but like I just don't I wouldn't have booked it personally. I wouldn't have booked it this way. That's just all I mean. I'm not saying this is the worst thing in the world. It's really not. Like mm-hmm. it, Gato's a good booker. It's whatever, but like Juice just came off that terrible G1. He just won the belt, and it's like in a not so great match. Yeah, and in, in a not great match, and it's it's not like him and um you know Dave Finley set the world of. Uh, on fire during the World Tag League. I mean, like, he, you know, I don't know. Like, Well, he did have the defense against Beretta at the U.S. show, which apparently... I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet, but apparently it's a good match. It doesn't matter. Nobody saw it. <laughs> Might as well be a house show. <laughs> so that's my thinking. But, like, you know, hats off to Chase Owens for, like, winning here. I just was really surprised by it. I didn't think that they are going to have, you know, Juice lose. Yeah, I mean, very surprising. Um, a lot of people predicted juice winning there were a few people like me and a couple other people on their brackets who had um, the upset win of chase going over juice um so yeah it's going to be interesting to see when that when or even if they set up this uh future u.s title match so i'm getting on to my third vanilla porter at this point so if my takes on this show start to get really bad you'll know why <laughs> uh, so now we move on to the main event of night one, Yuji Nagata versus Tomohiro Ishii. And this was an incredible matchup. This is my second favorite match of the tournament so far. And this is my leading candidate right now for strong style fight of the year. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was exactly what you expected from these guys. Both guys delivered in an absolutely great main event. Similar to Liger, Nagata turned the hands back on Father Time, and this was like peak Nagata here, and these guys just kill each other. It was a violent, hard-hitting match. Um, Nagata showing why he is so great, why he's a legend, why he's respected, and it just did a great job of highlighting Nagata and also highlighting Ishii. Yeah, this... um. This was every bit as good as those incredible 2015-2016 uh, never title matches that we were seeing back in the day. Those matches with Hanma and Ishii, Shibata, Nagata, and all these different guys. Uh, Goto. And, you know, this match was right in that line. The other thing, too, is, like, this is the best Nagata match we've seen s- since uh, his run in the G1 two years ago. And, I mean, this was every bit as good as those matches that he had in, during that run. And, I mean, he hasn't lost a step. Ishii was the perfect opponent. Ishii and him just battering one another. Just having such a perfect sense of timing. When to sell, when to bumble, when to go hard. There was, there was like, so much violence in this match. I, I loved this. Yeah, I love it. And just... The, the, some of the no sells at certain points, like kicking out, kicking out at one out of big moves. Nagata got his mouth busted, busted open. open. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I loved this match. I, I, it's a high recommendation. Um, I would still, I would recommend the uh, the Juice and um, Chase Owens match as well. But this match was in a different league altogether. I mean, this was. Far beyond that. I, I really, really like this match. Yeah, and towards the end here, Nagata drops a knee pad, um, but runs into a lariat, but he kicks out at one. Insiguri by Ishii, then he hits the sliding D, gets two, 
and then he hits the brain buster and Nagata finally uh, stays down for the count. So yeah, man, this is... Yeah, it, it, there's not a lot to say. I mean, you know, th- here's what I have to say. Headbutts, mid kicks. Forearm. Forearm. Chops. Chops to the throat, to the back. Suplexes. To the suplexes. Saito suplexes. Like, this was... Back vi- suplex. Yeah, yeah, it was violent, bro. This is violent. Dude, I, yeah. I love If you it. have not seen this match... Go out, you need to go out your way. Go out your way and see as it. As soon as you fin- finish listening to this show, go out there, fire up your New Japan world, and watch this match. It was great. So Ishii is moving on. So at this point, uh, the second round matches coming out of this night, Taiji versus Tomohiro Ishii, Yoshihashi versus Chase Owens. Yeah. And we had a question, or not a question, well, actually had a question from Rich. He says, um, can we get Yuji Nagata an annual IWGP challenge until he can't do it anymore no because we only get so many title defenses <laughs> as it is but uh yeah i mean he probably could still put on like an incredible iwgp title match as it is right now yeah like how old is he uh, he's in his 50s yeah but um he's definitely somebody that you could throw in a never open weight title match you can throw him in an ic title match Heck, you can even put him maybe even like a U.S. title match. You can put him in any situation. The guy can go. Like, yeah. Bottom line. Uh, Eugene Nagata turned 50 this year. So, yeah. He's saying he wants to fight wrestle till he's like 70. And it's at, crazy. At, the, at this rate, he can still do it. <laughs> it's crazy. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed this night. I thought it was really good. Uh, the the main event just really delivered. Yeah. So, yeah. night. Uh, night. Real quick, we had a, a statement oh. here from um, our boy Imp. From LOP. Nah. He's <laughs> nah. He's from a different network. Let's move on. Hey, he uh, he voted for you in the Twitter poll. He's a smart man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all he said was, um, he said, uh, damn you, Chase Owen, for ruining my 100% bracket. Oh. So, one of those guys who... who Bro, your bracket's doing well, huh? Dude, my bracket is looking real nice right now. You know, I didn't do a bracket this year. Slacking. Yeah. All right, take us on to uh, night two. Night two. Um, first round match, Lance Archer versus Toa Hanare. Yeah. Short and sweet, 11 minutes, and Lance Archer defeats Toa Hanare by the bla- via the blackout. And, I mean, um, this match was, like, pretty similar to, like, most of the big challenges that Hanare's had. You know, uh, a, big, a big challenge that he's not equipped to actually overcome. He charges at them full-heartedly, but just gets demolished. And that's kind of what we saw here. And, I mean, he had his moments, but Archer kind of just took it to him. Yeah, they really highlighted Archer in this match. Um, he had a beautiful pounce towards the uh, end of the match on uh, Toa Hanare. I've always been a big fan of that move. Yeah, um, although it's better when uh, AC... The Alpha Male or AC Romero. AC Baby, yeah. Yeah. I think he's, like, the one who really popularized it. Yeah. Well, no, it started with the alpha male, Monty Brown, and Impact. Nah, that guy, he's not even real. What? <laughs> Dude, I love Monty Brown. Monty Brown sucks. <laughs> uh, they need to put him in the TNA Hall of Fame this year. <laughs> Just because. They need to, like, they need to go back and, like, put forgotten TNA wrestlers, like, into the Hall, Hall of Fame. Fame. Like, Monty Brown... Who else could they put in there? Like someone that like, who, Sunny Siaki. Yeah, like who's that? <laughs> no, but um, yeah, this, this was a fine matchup here. 
Archer finally getting a win in the first round of the New Japan Cup. It's been years since... Bizarro World. Yeah, this was the one match that screwed up my bracket. My bracket would be perfect right now if it wasn't for this matchup here. I think you were going to pick Archer, and I think I convinced you to pick Hanari. No, I, I picked Hanari before we even recorded. Oh, really? Yeah, I did my bracket like days before we recorded. I thought I was influential. Okay. Never mind. Not this time. I, I learned my lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Not to let you influence me on, on picks. Um... But yeah, uh, I mean, this was really not. It, this was kind of a nothing match. It was fine. Yeah. Um, I I didn't. It wasn't. It, it's skippable. The night before, everything kind of had a place and had something. This was a nothing match. I mean, I would. I was like a two star two star match. Yeah. Um, the next match of the night, we got uh, the debuting Mikey Nichols taking on Hickaleo. And uh, Mikey Nichols picks up the win, 8 minutes, 57 seconds, via the Mikey Bomb. Yeah, a.k.a. Blue Thunder Bomb. And this was a fine match. Um, you know, nothing out of this world. Um, Hikaleo, I, I must say, he, he has improved from the, very, the last time he was in New Japan. Every, You know what? People used to bury this man and say crap about him, but like we've always been a friend of Hikaleo. We always say, this man's new. And he's getting better. And every time we see him, he's getting better. He's not blowing the world away, but, you know, he's there, getting better There's every a clear time. difference. If you watch the last match that he had in New Japan, you can tell it's one of those situations where he was always in multi-man matches, and he would have his brothers or other veterans kind of guiding him through the match, kind of telling him what to do, where to be at, you know, how to react. Here, he was in a one-on-one -on -one match. He hung on his own. He looked like he knew what he was doing. He looked like an actual competent, you know, competent wrestler. I thought it was a very strange choice to put Mikey Nichols and Hikaleo, you know, a debuting wrestler against basically the equivalency of a of a young lion, but a monster young lion. It just was a weird choice. Yeah, to we, do this we did thing. a question about that reference that from Twitter user at Falcon underscore McCramsey. He says, Do you guys think it would have been better to not put Hikaleo? A guy the crowd doesn't seem to care about with Mikey Nichols, a guy the crowd aren't 100% familiar with. The crowd didn't care about this match at all. No. At all. At no point did they care. Like, it wasn't like, oh, they didn't care and then they got into it. They were silent the whole time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just, th I, th I think it was weird. Um, another question here from Reddit user Asahi Yojimbo. He says, what's your read on Mikey Nichols? Ishimori... Uh, Takagi, Switchblade, and Elephant Phantasmo on some level were promoted in advance, whereas Mikey just got announced as a tournament entry when the brackets were posted. So he's asking us what our uh, opinions of Mikey Nichols are at this point? Yeah, his debut and just, you know, kind of coming out of nowhere. Well, I want to say this first. I don't know what your name means, but Yojimbo is one of my favorite movies of all time. So great name. If it's referencing Yojimbo, it's a great movie. Um,. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You you made your feelings uh, pretty well. Oh, that was on the game. We 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 uh, discussed Mikey Nichols on the uh, Ricky oh, on the Rookie and Qu Rookie and Clive uh, quiz Invitational. Yeah, and you said that you didn't really like uh, what was his name? Uh, Nick Miller. Yeah, I mean, every time I hear Nick Miller, I think of New Girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously between him and Shane Thorne, clearly Shane Thorne is. The Shawn Michaels of the team and Nick Miller is the Marty Jannetty. Uh, so he's the better one. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shane Thorne was the star of that duo. He has the most charisma. He's a better in-ring worker. Um, and to me, uh, Mikey Nichols is a, is a jag. Um, 
to me, there's nothing special about Mikey Nichols. Nothing it came off the, the screen for me when I saw him wrestling anytime in NXT, the Largo Loop, or here in this match here in New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know, I'll just say this. I thought both, like, the guys from the Mighty Don't Kneel were kind of the same way. That's not to say that they weren't good. I thought they were both really, really good. But I just thought that they were, you know, a tag team. They were tag team guys. There was nothing beyond that that really, like, stuck out. I mean, Shane Thorne did not stick out to me more than Mikey Nichols. They were pretty even to me. They were just like, it was like, oh, they're a tag team. Um, As far as this match goes, I mean, time will tell with Mikey Nichols here in New Japan. I think the whole thing has been super random. I mean, the guy got a tweet from Rocky and then... And then he's part of chaos, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's weird. I think that this wasn't the best, like, choice of match that you could do to try to get him over. But same time, like, you want to give Mikey Nichols a debut win, and who who's he going to beat on the New Japan roster in his, like, opening match? You know, so maybe that's why they gave him Hikaleo. Yeah. And I think the reason why they didn't do, like, a promo video or try to hype up the coming of Mikey Nichols, I think part of it had to do with just the way how he left WWE, you know, he told those guys that he was leaving to spend more time with his family in Australia, and then next thing you know, he's signed to New Japan. You know what that means? What? He's dripping in finesse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that, that man was tired of doing jobs. That man's finessing out here. Yeah, tired of doing jobs in Winter Park and uh, was ready to get back into Japan. So, uh, we got, yeah, so he picks up the win over Hikaleo, moves on to the second round. Uh, next match, we got Will Ospreay, the assassin. Not the aerial assassin, just the assassin. Wasn't he trying to call himself the Sky God or the Sky King? Uh, at one point, I think he was, yeah. But now he's the assassin. This dude needs to like pick a gimmick and pick like a name for his moves. But uh, Will Ospreay defeating uh, also someone who needs to pick pick a lane like because he's not the underboss anymore what he's the general now the rogue general the rogue general bad luck fale and uh what did you think here so this was a very interesting match here um you had will osprey um carrying to battle against the big man bad luck fale and just trying to overcome the the power and the the strength advantage of fale i mean and Osprey, he he wasn't backing down from this guy. He went as soon as the bell rang, jumped into um, Fale and was striking him. And then you know they played the classic um, big man little man match here um, with Fale kind of outpowering Osprey throughout the match, um, working the the nerve pinch hole. Uh, but then you have Osprey uh, firing back. Um, showing some great baby face fire here, um, escaping out of the grenade and just uh, just doing a lot of offense. And then um, Fale pulled the ref in the way of the Oz cutter. Uh, Red Shoe takes the big bump, and then Jado comes in with um, a kendo shot. Jado gets in the ring, but then Osprey fights him off and gets the kendo stick and beats the crap out of Fale with the kendo stick. He then hits the Robinson special. Um, goes for the Oz cutter, but it's blocked. Uh, big spare by Fale, followed up by the grenade for a great near fall. Osprey kicks out the last second, um, but then Osprey counters out of the bad luck fall into a Hurricane Rana cradle for the big win. 
Yeah, an upset win. Yeah, I mean, Balak Fale is a guy that traditionally does well in these New Japan Cup tournaments. He's uh, never he's never not made it out of the first round. Yeah, and so this just shows you how invested they are in Will Ospreay and the push that they're giving this guy. He's beating established heavyweights in big matches everywhere he goes. Uh, you know, obviously this wasn't a crazy four star or five star special. They, I thought I thought this match kind of sucked. I mean, I thought it was bad. I mean, it was fine. I, I, if if I'll say this, if Fale had won, then what people would have been saying, they would have been de- like talking about how terrible this was, just like his G one matches. The only reason people aren't saying that sort of thing is because Osprey beat him. Yeah. <laughs> like other than that, like there was so much shenanigans and so much interference and so much bull crap, but um. It is interesting that Osprey picked up the win over Bad Luck Fale, and like, Fale doesn't lay down for everybody. Yeah. So yeah, just shows crazy. Just shows you the the trajectory that uh, Will Osprey's on in this. I I thought Will was definitely losing here, and you know when someone asked earlier like who we could see him like potentially getting challenged for the Never Title, I thought Bad Luck Fale and Will Osprey made a lot of sense as a title program. Not that I want to see Will Ospreay and Balak Fale wrestle. I don't want to see Fale wrestle anybody. <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of made sense to me because they've had him beat monster after monster after monster. And then maybe like he runs into a true super heavyweight that he can't overcome right after he you know got beat by the IWGP champion. And then, I don't know, that story just makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. But they decided to go another way here. And they're like, nope, screw that. He's beaten Fale. He can beat monsters, and it's like, wow. Yeah, the rocket is strapped to this man. Yeah. He's, he's going straight to the moon. And then uh, we got the main event of the second night. Kazushika Okada, the Rainmaker, taking on Big Mike, Michael Elgin. And they put on a great match, 24 minutes, 6 seconds. Yeah, and I will say this match, it did kind of start out slow. Um, these guys, Very methodical. Yeah, it was a very slow-paced, methodical style. And then they kind of built towards the end. Um, the ending was great. I mean, we got one of those classic Okada, hot, yeah. Okada finishing sequences. Elgin as well. Both these guys are known for, you know, having incredible closing sequences. And I mean, this was great. Yeah, I mean, started off slow, uh, built into a war. Um, as the match went on, the crowd uh, got more invested. Um, Elgin looked really good here. This is the first time we're uh, really seeing him in one-on-one action since returning from injury. And we know him and Okada always have great matches. Uh, but um, tonight was not his night. There was no you know, first-round upsets for Elgin this year. Um, came down towards the end where uh, Elgin hits a buckle bomb, but Okada countered back out, and they trade counters. Uh, back fist by Elgin and Okada goes down. Okada uh, counters a second uh, buckle bomb and hits a tombstone. Um, then he hits the Rainmaker on Elgin to finish him off. Um, so the Rainmaker, Kasuchika Okada, advances in a very good match here. Uh, a lot of great spots. There's some great suplexes from both guys here. Um, Okada, at one point during the match, did um, Elgin's powerbomb sequence to him. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, these are two guys that have a lot of chemistry. They've wrestled numerous times. I did like this match better 
than their G1 match from this past year. They wrestled on night 10 of the G1, and I, I'll always remember that because I thought night 10 sucked <laughs> really bad. Like, that was, like, one of my breaking points where I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get through this G1. <laughs> but um, this match was really good. I didn't think it was on the level that Ishii and Nagata was, but that's not to say that this wasn't a really good match. I mean, it was a fitting, like... You know, main event for the second night, and I I liked it a lot. Yeah, and it, it ended up being a great matchup. And I mean, it did it did end up like it did start out slow, but I mean, it, the these guys are just so good. One Elgin man is so good, bro. Like, you know, say what you want about him, say about the controversies and everything like that, but like this. To me, and I may be wrong, it's weird because I almost classify him as like a super heavyweight, but he's not. Yeah. But when you compare him to his like contemporaries, so like Jeff Cobb and Rusev and Moose and all these like kind of very similar guys, I don't know anyone that's as good at that style of wrestling that than Elgin is. Yeah, yeah, he's very good. My only my only complaint about him is that he does so much in like he does too much. Like he's like. The super heavyweight, like, Young Bucks. Like, he's like a spot fest machine at the end of his matches. Well, I think it's because, you know, he doesn't get these big matches all the time. And so when he's out there, he, he has, goes all out. He has to go balls to the wall. Yeah. Yeah, and I see that now. Like, and he does go, like, balls to the wall. But, like, every time putting him in the big spot, like, he always delivers. Um, unfortunately, he's not moving on. Okada's going to be moving on. But, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, good stuff. Um so that brings us to night three of the New Japan Cup. Uh, the first tournament matchup was uh, classic. Risuke Taguchi classic. taking on Hiroshi Tenzon. Go out of your way to see this. You must see this match. Uh, I mean, if you're a big fan of Taguchi, <laughs> um, you should definitely see this match. Um, it, it was a great way to kind of kick off the tournament matches for the night. I, I don't think people. It was fine. Yeah, I don't think people really knew what to expect with Taguchi and Tens on here, um, with Te, with Taguchi replacing the injured uh, David Finley, who's going to be out for six months for torn labrum. That uh, sucks. Yeah, bad bad uh, break for Finley there. Uh, but yeah, this was a fine match. Um, pure Taguchi antics. Um, during the multi-man matches, they, they were building up kind of heat between Taguchi and Tenzon, where Taguchi would ask for the double fist bump, and Tenzon would fall for it, and then Taguchi would attack him. Um, so that that spot played in several points throughout this match. Um, towards the end, Tenzon went for a top rope headbutt for a near fall. Um, then Taguchi counters into a cradle out of nowhere and picks up the win. And You called it, man. Taguchi. The Gooch. Yep. He wants to be the 69th IWGP champion. The coach has a vision, and he's going to see it come to pass. He's, we're going to see uh, <laughs> Ryusuke Taguchi versus Jay White headlining Madison Square Garden. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, yeah. The house that Bruno built. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't think there was a, a great chance for Tenzon Wan to work multiple one-on-one -on -one matches in this tournament. He did his little one-on-one -on -one match here and got out of there. You know, it makes a lot of sense, but at the same time, I just I was like, well, you never know. They might have Tenzon going a little run, but you know, they went with Taguchi, and we're probably better off for it. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
Then, uh, uh, next up, we had Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Shota Umino. I freaking adore this match. Yes, this, this match was awesome. Yeah, this was yeah, this was a great matchup here. You know, I'm sure a lot of people were expecting Tanahashi to just go in there and squash Umino, but that was not the case. Tanahashi gave Umino a lot. I mean, clearly he was still dominant and the veteran guy leading the charge in the match, but Umino looked great. Umino had a lot of fire. Umino took it to Tanahashi. Yeah, this was so good, man. Like, Umino already, as a young lion, has like three or four signature matches that you can point to and be like, oh, wow, he's great. This match with Nagata, his match with Shingo, his match with uh, Sakamoto, and now his match with... Uh, oh, and the match he just had uh, last month, who did he wrestle at the Ring of Honor show? Oh, yeah. Um... Um, was it Marty? Yeah. Or, or did Marty... No, Marty wrestled Narita. Zack Sabre? Yeah, Sabre. Sabre, and now the match with Tanahashi. He's got, like, five, like, incredible singles matches. So, yeah, like, Shota Amino is going to be something. Like, people keep wondering, like, what's what's he going to be? What's he going to do? I don't know the answer to that, but, like, this guy is going to be a star. Yeah, man. he's has potential to be a top main event guy when he gets back from Excursion. And he made the most of this opportunity here, battling the ace, man. He There's just so much fire in this guy, man. Yeah, they the crowd ate it up. They were so into this. There was one point where he hit Tanahashi with 34 forearms. Me and Rich literally sat there and counted. We were <laughs> like, oh my god. Um, the slaps. Yeah, dude. There was a big slap that dropped Tanahashi. Towards the end of the match, it, it, it was freaking violent. But like the real story had a lot to do with the uh, the Boston Crab and and also the uh, the cloverleaf. Clover when when there was a point in the match where Shota Umino stole the Texas cloverleaf and put it on Tanahashi, and I thought he put it on Tanahashi better than Tanahashi puts <laughs> it on anybody. I actually don't think Tanahashi puts the cloverleaf on very very well at all. Well, he he does a uh, elevated. I hate it. I hate his elevated cloverleaf. It looks like crap. I don't know. It looks pretty painful. In this match, it looked really painful, but I think that's due to the, like the size of Shoto Amino. In most cases, I think it doesn't look like anything at all. But um, that's just my take, anyways. But yeah, like Umino, like kind of did a, a he he did a finisher stealer. You know, hit that. What's yeah, yeah, he he hit the Y button, or, the y or, button. or triangle for you PlayStation guys, and yeah, hit the finisher stealer. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this match was great, man. Like there's so much. As far as violent action and things like that, it it wasn't in the same league as say like Ishi Nagata, or we'll we'll talk about it, but Abushi and like Naito. But from, like, a pure storytelling standpoint, this was the best story of the tournament so far. Right. You know, the fiery young lion, you know, the deck, the deck stick against him. Yep. And uh, just trying to fight off, you know, the ace of the universe. And, uh, and he and he gave him a run for his money, bro. Yeah, dude. He, he got some several near falls, and the crowd was actually chanting for him and not Tanahashi. I thought that was very interesting. Um, you know, it came down towards the end where... Um, That's because the fans are fickle. <laughs> fickle. <laughs> fickle. Um, Umino, um, him and Tanahashi were sh- uh, trading strikes. 
Then Tana goes for a sling blade, but Umino cuts him off. Um, a big slap from Umino that drops Tanahashi. Falls up with a suplex. He goes to the top, hits a missile drop kick for a near fall. Then he locks on the Boston Crab. Uh, Tanahashi makes it to the ropes. Um, then Umino puts him in the cloverleaf. Uh, Tana makes it to the ropes again. Umino unloads with vicious strikes. Uh, Tanahashi cuts him off with a twist and shout. Uh, then the cloverleaf is counted into a cradle by Umino for a crazy near fall. Crazy reaction from the crowd. They pop to use for that near fall. Um, but then Tanahashi was eventually able to get him back into the cloverleaf. And Umino had no choice but to submit to the ace. Yeah, I, I kind of thought he was going to get to the ropes there, but I was like, ah, he's got to tap. So, great story, great match. This is the best show to Umino match so far, I think. I think it was better than the uh, the Mar than the Saber. Saber match, yeah. and I thought it was better than the Shingo match. Yeah. It was, bro, it was so good. It was. Uh, go out of your way to watch this match. Uh, then we had, uh, oh, actually, we have a question here from Reddit user Zach Saber Time. He says, um, an Umino versus Tom Tanahashi question here. At the end of the month, Umino wanted more. At the, excuse me. At the end of the match, Umino wanted more, but Tana shoves him down and goes on to celebrate. The commentary didn't mention anything about this. How do you guys see this? I think this could be a fuel for a feud post-excursion where Umino thinks it was a sign of disrespect, but Tana says he did it respectfully. Umino did mention something very similar. To, it's great that you picked up on that. and I, I, You know what? It's great that we're mentioning this because... There was a shot at the end of that match where Tanahashi's just in the crowd and he's like, you know, slapping hands and, you know, wiping the towels on his body and, you know, being jubilant and, you know, celebrating with the fans. And then you just see Shota Umino and he's hanging on the ropes and he's crawling. And like the visual is so powerful. And like Rich pointed out to me and I was like, bro. Like, this is a moment that is go they're going to call back to this. Yeah. For sure. So, I think you have a great point. Also, Shoto Umino mentioned something about this. He said that he's like, I'm going to come back and I'm going to retire this guy. So, like, <laughs> you're like, I don't know if I'm misquoting him, but he said something to that effect where it sounded like, oh, crap. Like, he's coming, like, like. Tanahashi has lit something in this dude, and like I could totally see a generational match coming up in the future between these guys. Yeah, so yeah, I'm looking forward to post excursion Umino whenever that happens. Um, then we have Zack Saber Jr. taking on Evil, renewing the rivalry that these guys have uh, been having at, over the last year. At 15 minutes 34 seconds, Zack Saber Jr. wins via the hurrah. Another year. Surely this one will be better than the last. The inexorable march of progress will lead us to all happiness. What the f <laughs> kind of name is that for, you know, for a you, finisher? You, you know Saber and his uh, finisher names. But yeah, these guys have developed um, great chemistry over all a series of matches that they've been having against each other. I hate their matches. Really? I don't. I didn't like the last one. I didn't like this one. I think they should, yeah, I, maybe I'm being contrarian, I don't know, but like, people seem to like their matches, but I just don't. I like this match, I thought it was, uh, you know, in the four star range here. What? Yeah. No way. I, I didn't. I don't know, I really Four like, stars? Yeah. I'll have to rewatch it, bro. I don't I, know, I thought it was very good. Um, Sabre had a lot of great um, submission counters and a lot of uh, mat wrestling here, and I thought Evil looked great here. Yeah, no, I was like, 
I was a lot lower on this. I was like three and a half, mm. three and a quarter. I was I I didn't love it. I just did not love this match. Mm. I I'm glad that Zack Saber picked up the win. Uh, I think he's the guy that needs to kind of move on. Being the champion of last year's tournament makes a lot of sense. Uh, it helps him to kind of avenge the whole evil thing from last month. But I I kind of want him to move on from evil because I. Personally, this maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe I'm crazy here. I don't think they have great chemistry. I think that they are wonky together for whatever reason, and their matches are kind of like slow and plotting, and like they don't mesh well. I don't know. I think this match. I don't know. It's maybe how I I saw it. I I saw something different. I don't know. I saw. I feel like this is one of the better matches. That they've had, and I think they've learned to work really well with their different styles. I thought this was better than last. I, I hated last month's match, mm-hmm. and I like tolerated this one. So yeah. that's where I'm at. But yeah. I don't think I'll ever love the. And you know what's weird? I I really got sucked into the story of Zack Saber and Evil, but the matches have never delivered for me. And I, I thought that there was a great um, closing sequence in this the, match. The closing sequence. You're right. The closing sequence was excellent. Regardless of what I thought about the match overall, and you know, what? I felt the same way last month. I thought the closing sequence was really good, um, but yeah, absolutely, the closing sequence here was really good. So yeah, so like you mentioned, Saber taps out Evil, gets the win, moves on to the next uh, round. Also, I uh, noted that uh, Saber he's wearing his uh, Rev Pro British Championship match on this tour. You mean title? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so now we get maybe to... Maybe they're going to set up a future title shot. Yeah. Maybe he'll defend the Rev Pro belt at MSG against somebody, maybe. Could be. Uh, but now the main event of Night 3, Kota Ibushi versus Tetsuya Naito. This match was freaking amazing. <laughs> this match was insane, crazy, wild. Dude, I freaking love this main event. I know you do. <laughs> dude, I was freaking marking out, screaming, popping over yeah, everything, dude. I had I had already watched this match earlier in the day, and then I, I took a nap. I woke up, and I hear you screaming. I was like, oh, he's watching Ibushi night. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I thought this match was excellent. Um, I don't think I was quite as high as you are on it, but I really wouldn't argue with anybody who has, a, like, a match rating on this because this match was incredible. Yeah, dude, amazing. I, I'm throwing five snowflakes on this bad boy. <laughs> dude, just... <laughs> the crazy things they did in this match. Freaking Naito sits out Tombstone pile drivers, Ibushi on the freaking apron, on this man's, you know, already previously hurt neck. All the crazy head bumps, and they were doing the crazy strikes... Abushi with his high flying offense, like this match was phenomenal. Yes, um, if this was violent, this was really crazy. You know, we've seen these guys have two G one matches, you know, in uh, consecutive years. Both matches were incredible, and then this kind of felt like a third follow up, like in the trilogy of matches with one another. Each one has been, you know, exponentially more dangerous and violent, and these matches always deliver like abushi and naito have a lot of chemistry together these guys are great um i think i was like four and a half um well i don't know i was very like in between like four and a half four and a quarter i didn't feel like this was five stars but 
you know, anyone that tells me that it is, I'm not going to really argue with you because I think they're, you could probably convince me there's a pretty good case for it. I just didn't know if this particular show on this particular night with these particular circumstances warranted that. I think that they do have another match in them. Um, obviously, you alluded to this last week, Jeremy, when you said you thought Ibushi was going to beat Naito because it opens up a title uh, opportunity in the future. And I don't know if you noticed, but many times, and New Japan does not do this for no reason, they kept doing close-ups to the IC title in the middle of the match. Mm -hmm. Usually that's something that they do during title matches to show the importance of what they're battling over. And I thought it was weird. I was like, why are they doing close-ups of the IC title in a tournament match that's supposed to lead to the IWGB title? Um, so I think they're foreshadowing the idea that these guys are going to be competing with one another over the IC title, possibly at Madison Square Garden. We yeah. don't know that yet. But that's what it feels like. But this match was dangerous. Yeah, dude. Like I mentioned, like the tombstone on the apron. Um, Ibushi did a – there was a dude buster spot here, reverse dude buster that he hit. Uh, yeah, dude. They were just dropping each other on their heads a lot. And just very hard um, strikes and slaps and chops and kicks. Uh, German suplexes. I mean, jeez. Abushi uh, hits a very nasty-looking uh, Bomaye knee. Man, this it's, this match was just incredible. Yeah. I, I, I really, 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 really enjoyed this. Um, such a feeling of satisfaction at the very, very end when he finally hits Naito with that Bombay knee and picks up the win, like... Well, he, he didn't beat him with the Bombaye. Um, he hit the... The Bombaye got him a near fall, and then he dropped Naito on his head with, like, a J-Driller-like move, and then he hit him with the Kamagoye and put him out. Isn't the Kamagoye, like, the Bombaye knee? Kamagoye is where he grabs the wrist and pulls them into his knee. I stand corrected. My apologies. <laughs> but yeah, this match was awesome. Yeah, dude. I'm I'm five. I'm curious to know what you guys think. Let us know in the comments or tweet us what your your rating is for this match, but definitely this is This yeah. is the best night of the of the New Japan Cup so far. Yeah. Um and question here from Reddit user that was five stars. Is Ibushi signing a two-year contract the worst thing that could have happened to Naito? Possibly. I still feel like, you know, everyone keeps asking us what we think the main event is going to be next year. And I still have this feeling that if they're going to, like, pull the trigger on, Na on Naito, it needs to be next year in the Dome. Just from, like, them having biannual, like, stories, historically speaking, when it comes to the Dome. I could see him and Okada headlining one of those nights over the IWGP title but you have a point there it's possible that Nabushi re-signing and signing an exclusive to your deal could be like the worst thing for Naito's push yeah this could have could have changed a lot of plans so we'll have to see what happens you know sometimes too like you know self-fulfilling prophecy you know they book the guy to lose a lot and they're like oh we're gonna pick it up next year it's like, but then they're like, oh, he's not hot anymore. That's some Vince <laughs> Man, Man's not hot. <laughs> man's not hot. It's like, you got him under by beating him a bunch of times. It's your fault. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, another question here from Reddit user Bon Grip Suplex. He says, "If Ibushi does not win the cup, does he get an IC title shot at MSG?" Uh, I think that that's a likely scenario. Yeah. Um, question from Rambone Slam Pig. Uh oh. <laughs> he says, "What do you think the rationale was behind absolutely stacking night three of round one?" It seems like it was obviously the biggest show of the four. Any thoughts? Well, ultimately speaking, I think that everything's going to be pretty stacked, you know, down the line. We'll, we'll we'll finish this review here shortly, but I think that we got some big matches on the on the horizon. But you know, in the past, and we mentioned this before, there's been some really stacked nights of of the New Japan Cup before. It. I mean, this is not an anomaly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess. It, one thing we probably should have paid more attention to was like what cities and venues. Oh that, yeah, that that's the, a good point. That these shows were happening in. Um, I have to go back and look and see where they were. I, this. I didn't think of that. Because um, I'm sure whatever venue they were for in for night three, they needed to draw a big a big house, so they put that Naito, Abushi main event, and this overall had a better card that night. Yeah, this night was stacked. Yeah. So yeah, I I lugged all the tournament matches for the most part here this night. And yeah, this top things off with this awesome uh, match with Naito and Ibushi. So yeah, then we uh, move on to night four, just hours ago. Yeah, um, yeah, man. These Monday shows, man, throwing almost trying to throw us off, but um, able to catch up in time for recording and uh, get it in here. Uh, to me, night four was overall one of the uh, weaker nights of the first round. Um, nothing really spectacular or you know anything too crazy happening um, as far as match quality on this night. So the first match we have uh, Toro Yano versus Davy Boy Smith Jr. Um, this is a rematch from the first round of last year's New Japan Cup. And um, Toriyano always seems to have Davy Boy's number. He pinned him um, in a multi-man tag and pinned him last year in New Japan Cup. And um, that was kind of the story of the match. Could Davy Boy Smith, you know, finally, you know, get this monkey off his back and beat Yano? This was a real short match, five minutes and forty seconds. Um, Thank God, <laughs> with uh, Smith kind of out power Yano in the beginning, but eventually um, all those muscles were up were no good for Dave Boy Smith Jr. and Yano was able to roll up uh, Dave Boy Smith Jr. and get the pin, and uh, Yano advances to the next round. You would think that a descendant of Stu Hart would be able to stretch this man Yano, but apparently not so. It's too hard to teach. There was no, you know, lesson in the dungeon to handle, you know, the antics of a guy like Yano. This man Yano keeps beating Suzuki, so of course he's going to beat Davy Boy Smith Jr. Yeah. Uh, then next we had uh, Minoru Suzuki versus Satoshi Kojima. Um, this was a good, hard-hitting back and forth matchup here. Um, it wasn't as good as Ishii and Nagata, but I still think this was a very good match. I'm like three and a half on this thing. Um, Kojima looked really good in this matchup here, but um, Suzuki was just too much for him. And if they, Kojima would have won, he would have got Kojima gun back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. possibly. Uh, but yeah, a lot of history between both these guys with 
um, Suzuki stealing um, Kojima's army from him. And, uh, yeah, they, they told a, a story throughout the multi-man tag matches that um, Suzuki could absorb whatever Kojima could dish out. There were several points in the match, in all the multi-man matches, where Kojima would be hitting the machine gun chops and Suzuki would be absorbing it and Donk House would be like, look at him, Kevin. He's getting aroused. He's getting <laughs> turned on by this. And uh, the first night, uh, night one, Kojima actually busted open Suzuki's chest from giving him three sets of machine gun chops. And that was kind of the reoccurring theme throughout the multi-man matches. And in this match here, um, there were several of the machine gun chops with Suzuki just um, absorbing it. Um, but yeah, you know, Kojima fought his hardest, but in the end, um, Suzuki got him in the sleeper and hit the gotch pile driver and got Kojima out of there. And uh, Suzuki advances. Did you cry? No, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I knew that Kojima was not going to pull it out here. I mean, I would have popped huge if he did, but um, Suzuki is one of the top players in New Japan right now. And, um, it made more sense to go with Suzuki than it did Kojima at this point. Um, then we move on to Sonata versus uh, Hiroki. Oh, actually, I skipped the match. Yeah, I, 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 sk- I thought you had the order bet like correct, but I guess so. Colt, we uh, saw the match between uh, Ring of Honor's own Colt Cabana taking on the Unchained Gorilla Togi Makabe. Yeah, this was a very interesting match, you know. Colt's uh, second tour in New Japan, the first tour was Honor Rising, but the crowd was really into Colt Cabana, um, cheering Cabana over Makabe, and you know, Makabe is like a Japanese legend, or excuse me, Japanese celebrity in Japan, the crowd... Fuck that, Colt Cabana is the former NWA World's Heavyweight (laughs) Champion. Uh, But the crowd, you know, usually they love Makabe and they're behind Makabe, you know, he's a big celebrity in Japan, he's on a lot of like... Uh, TV shows and movies and stuff like that, but the crowd was really big into Cabana and behind him, and um, Cabana pulls out the surprise win, uh, seven minutes and thirty-five seconds with the Superman pin. And what's the Superman pin? It's the move where like the guy they're kind of laying with their legs up, and then Colt jumps. He does like a Superman dive and rolls them into a cradle kind of thing. He did it in, during the Honor Rising tour. Mm, and, I don't remember. And it's, it's actually it's one of his signature moves. He did it in Ring of Honor all the time. Um, is it the pin that Edge did to uh, Beulah McGillicuddy? Um, the porn star pin. They kind of end kind of similarly, but he does like the whole dive thing that rolls into it. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, Cabana gets the surprise upset win here. I am surprised by that. Like and legit. Surprised. We're getting Cabana and Yano. In the second round. Wow. How many how many matches have you gotten wrong? Just one? Yeah, the only match I got wrong was Toa Hanare and Lance Archer. You got the vision this year. Yeah, man. I'm loving it. <laughs> You're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so in the main event of night four, we've got the uh, final match of uh, round one. Uh, Sonata taking on Hiroki Goto. Yeah, and uh, this match was fine. Um to me, it kind of underdelivered. Um, this is the main event of this show. You have Goto and Sonata. They're two, you know, pretty big stars and are capable of having great matches. And I mean, I gave this like three and a half, but I was expecting 
this match will at least hit four stars or go a little bit higher. I, I don't know if it's just a thing of Sonata and Goto just not having great chemistry together or these guys realizing like this was a smaller house of the, of the tour and just weren't trying to go all out here. But um, yeah, I was just expecting more from these guys. Um, and it came down towards the end uh, where Goto hits a Ushigoroshi, um, starts kicks, throws kicks at Sonata. Um, Sonata counters a GTR and hits um, a suplex. Um, then a headbutt by Goto, and they work into a series of counters until Sonata gets the skull in. He drops down, uh, releases, and then goes for the Muda Moonsault and gets the win. And Sonata advances um, into the second round. The only LIJ member to survive the first round. So as of this recording, the second round matches, we have in front of us our Minoru Suzuki taking on Sonata. Toro Yano versus Colt Cabana. Kota Ibushi versus Zack Sabre Jr. Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Ryosuke Taguchi. Kazushika Okada taking on Mikey Nichols, Will Ospreay, and Lance Archer. Tomohiro Ishii versus Taichi. And Chase Owens versus Yoshihashi. Yeah, and before we give our predictions for that real quick, we had a question from Reddit user that was five stars. He says, the Shota Umino 2.999 pin got me to pop hard. It's my favorite match of the cup so far. If you could only pick one, which match has been your favorite so far? Um, Ibushi and Naito, easily. Yeah, that was my favorite as well. Um, it's a match that you're candidate right now. Yeah, yeah, that thing was uh, incredible. Um, so yeah, now let's um, give our predictions here for the uh, second round. Um, so going with uh, Minoru Suzuki and Sonata, who, who you got there? The winner of that is going to take on Toriyano and Colt Cabana. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Sonata. Ooh. Going to go with uh, the Cole Skull. Yeah, he made it pretty far in this tournament last year. Suzuki is a guy that um, obviously can beat Sonata. He beat Sonata just last month, and I think that's part of the reason why I see Sonata picking up the win here, kind of avenging his loss. You know, we love that 50-50 booking here in New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> but um, in all seriousness, he went pretty far in the tournament last year, and I think that it stands to reason. It makes a lot of sense to see him kind of uh, move on from this point. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Sonata. I'm going with uh, Minoru Suzuki here. Uh-oh, that's where you, you fucked up your brackets. Uh, we'll see. And the, but the reason why I'm going with Suzuki is based off of the the potential matchup. So, uh, Colt Cabana and Toriyano. I have Toriyano going over to set up the Toriyano-Suzuki rematch. Yeah, but if Sonata wins and Toriyano wins, we get the rematch between him and Sonata from this past year's G1, the best Toriano match of the entire G1. That, that is true. I didn't think about that. Oh. I, was, I, I was thinking more about Suzuki and Yano. Um, so, yeah. So, are you are you going with Yano over Cabana? Of course. I don't think Cole Cabana should even beat Makabe. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's happening right now. Oh, man. Man's over, though. Is he? Dude, the crowd was chanting Cabana. See, I didn't watch today's show. They should have just put Cheeseburger in there. <laughs> He's over, too. Uh, but I, I like Cabana more than Cheeseburger. Do you think Cheeseburger should get a junior title shot? No. <laughs> <laughs> He's over, bro. Oh, man. 
they're, they're, not, they're not giving Cabana a, a singles title shot. Just throw him in this tournament here. He could show up after a match and just point to the title and say, I want a challenge, and then get a <laughs> title shot. That is That's true. how it works here. Um, then we have uh, Saber and Kota Ibushi. Who are you going with here? Oh, my God. This match is going to be awesome. Um, it could go either way, but I got to tell you, I'm going with the curveball here because I think most people think Kabushi's moving on. I got Zack Sabre Jr. winning. Oh, that is very interesting. Um, I, I think it's going to be a bracket buster. It, it could be. Um, there is a bracket I saw that has Sabre going into the finals. He, uh, I think he might go to the finals. He, he could, being last year's champion. But uh, on my bracket, I have Kota Ibushi beating um, Zack Sabre. Um and then uh, Ibushi would then face the winner. If Ibushi wins, he would face the winner of Tanahashi and Risuke Taguchi. Uh, and I got Tanahashi winning that to set up Tanahashi versus Ibushi. Here's the thing. I think Tanahashi and Ibushi being a G1 final last year, it's a big match. It's, it's always a big match. I think... With Tanahashi and Zack Sabre being the New Japan Cup Finals last year, it makes a lot of sense to kind of redo that match once again. So that's why I've got Zack moving on to face Tanahashi in the second round. So for, for, for my projections, I see Sonata and Yano and Sabre and Tanahashi. Two, two rematches with a lot of history behind them. Yep. Then we move over to the left side of the bracket. And we have um, Will Ospreay taking on Lance Archer. There's no reason Will Ospreay should lose here, so Will Ospreay's moving on. Yeah, yeah, there's absolutely no excuse for um, Ospreay to um, do the job for Archer. Um, then we have uh, Mikey Nichols um, taking on Kazuchika Okada, Battle of Chaos members. Again, no reason that Mikey Nichols should win here, so... Okada's going to win. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, which will set up Okada versus Osprey. Crazy. That which will be amazing. Um, then we have... This is where it gets tricky. The crown jewel, Chase Owens, taking on Yoshihashi. So the winner of this match is going to take on the winner of Ishii and Taichi. Yep. I have no idea, bro. Uh, I'm, I'm, I went with Yoshihashi over Chase Owens. Uh, just because Yoshihashi is a guy that they, they like to try and push at times, and uh, it would just that then if Yoshihashi beats Chase, that also gives him a claim for the U.S. title because he because if Chase wins in the second match, he's going deep in this tournament, <laughs> which he he could if they're really behind him. Um, and then I I have Ishii beating Taichi to set up um, Ishii versus Yoshihashi. Yeah, so you've got Ishii and Yoshihashi. Yeah, so you got Ishii going up against Okada in the in the semifinals. Yep. My God. <laughs> um, this is a tough one because it's like I don't want to see Taichi wrestle anyone outside of Ishii, but oh man, I mean, do I see Yoshihashi and Ishii? That's a lot of like. Chaos on chaos violence in this tournament. Yeah. Osprey and, and Nichols, Ishii and Yoshihashi. Um, I'm just going to say, I think it's going to be 
I think it's gonna be Yoshihashi and Taichi. Hmm. Could be. I really don't know. Like, I'm kind of just guessing at this point. Yeah. Like, I would love to see Ishii move on and wrestle Okada again, because Lord knows that G1 match that they had a few years ago is just freaking incredible. Five stars, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know if they do that during this tournament. It yeah. just seems like a lot to give away. Like right after they, I mean, if Okada goes from Elgin to Osprey to Ishii, like, and then whoever he ends up wrestling in the final, whether it's Ibushi, Saber, or uh, Tanahashi, like, what a freaking murderer's row. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's got to be some upset in this round. We did have a question here from Senor Sombrero 3 k um, saying, what is our prediction for upset of round two? Um, so I think you, you're going with Saber as kind of your, your big upset in round two. I, I, I think Saber is going to... I don't even think it's that much of an upset. I think that... My projection for the finals right now, I see Zack Sabre and Okada being the mm. finals. Sabre being the champion of last year's tournament. He got defeated by uh, Okada in his title challenge at Sakura Genesis last year. Okada trying to rebuild himself, taking on the former champion from last year's tournament. A guy that he bested but had a lot of trouble with. I think it's an easy to tell story. I think it's like Am I am I like far out here? I no, think I, I no. Think this makes that's, a lot of sense. That's a very reasonable scenario, and I could see Saber going to the finals. I think that that's the safest big match you can give away, as opposed to every. I know a lot of people think that they're giving away Okada and Ibushi, and I'm like, right now, at this point, I don't know, man. That's like a big match to yeah. be given away. They could do Tanahashi again, but I don't think they are. I think the the most. I mean. Sonata, Sonata is a very, is another one that I'm like, they could do Sonata because last year him and Sonata had a great title match. But I think Zack Sabre makes the most sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm one of the guys that has Okada Ibushi. So I guess we'll just have to uh, see what happens here as the tournament moves on. So that's going to wrap up our New Japan Cup coverage. You know what? And you might not be far off base if you think about it. A lot of times the runner-ups in these tournaments ends up going on and doing something big. If he is going to get an IC title shot after this, they could just do Ibushi and and Okada. Maybe I'm just, you know, wrong. <laughs> I mean, either way, I think either... I think either of those make a lot of sense. Yeah. So, I mean, Gato's is masterful booking on display right here. Opening I, I up many... This, I love this 32-man bracket. Yeah, opening up so many options... Um, and you just don't know which way he's going to go. Um, so that's going to wrap up our New Japan Cup coverage for this week. Now we're going to um, get into the news real quick. Um, first big news item, Jushin Thunder Liger to retire at the Tokyo Dome in January. Um, there was a press conference um, that Liger... It's a work. <laughs> Uh, Liger age 54 um, says he hopes to wrestle all around the world until the next Tokyo Dome card in January where he will retire Um, right now the reason why he's not on the New Japan Cup tour is because he's in Ireland um, and he hopes that he could wrestle at the G1 Supercard event in Madison Square Garden Um, so yeah man Liger hanging it up 
man, it's weird. Like, do we want to do a whole retrospective on Juice and Thunder Liger? Like, we could fill up a whole show doing right. that. Right. Well, we did we have could a, fill up a whole series of shows doing that. We did have a question from Reddit user Eater of Bread. He says, have you guys ever considered devoting a week with no shows to review one big topic? I'd love a deep dive retrospective on Liger's career. Maybe we have to do something like that. I don't know, man. Like... When I think of Liger, I think of his many, like, incredible battles. I think about, like, Naoki Sano, El Samurai, you know, uh, Great Sasuke, uh, the matches he had with Muda, the matches he had with Hashimoto, the matches he had, you know, all throughout the years. Like, literally, this guy's been having, he's probably had at least a four-star match every year since, like, 88. Yeah. This, this guy's incredible. Or higher. Um, you know, uh, obviously the Pillman matches, the matches he had in WCW. Um, I don't even know if I'd be watching like per Rezu if Jushin Thunder Liger hadn't come to WCW. Like I, I literally remember him being this mysterious thing that like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. Like, Who is that guy? What is he? Yeah. I, I like kind of forgot about him and like, it was like this aberration of my memory, like. What was that? Was that a real thing? There was a guy one time, right? This Japanese like, <laughs> He had weird hair and, like, horns and, like, what the freak was that? Um, Jushin Thunder Liger is, quite simply, the greatest junior that has ever wrestled, um, bar none, you know, out of any style. Joe, you know, whether it's Puro, whether it's, you know, Lucha, you know, whether it's the early 2000s in the U.S. indie scene, like... Jushin is the greatest junior that ever lived. Um, you know, I love I love Liger's work. Uh, even going back to like his time in like the World of Sport days on Excursion when he was um, Kichi Yamada. You know, like he's great, man. Jushin Thunder Liger's great. Um, he has yeah. so many just incredible and matches. At 54 years old, still competing at a high level. And we saw what he could do with um, Ishimori at the anniversary show. And he just goes out there and his man can still go. And it's just, uh, sad that he's uh, going to be retiring. So take this next year to catch Liger if you can. He's going to be at the WrestleCon Super Show. Um, he's probably going to be on the G1 Supercard show. And he's going to be doing a big world tour um, all over the place. So if you get a chance to see Liger, like, yeah, we, go out of your way to see him. We got to see him wrestle at the uh, CEO show, and I, I thought about this earlier this week when I heard the news, and I thought, is that the only time I've ever seen him live? Did we see him live last WrestleMania weekend? I don't think we did. I was trying to remember if we did, but I don't because was he was he on the WrestleCon Super Show last year? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think. And so I think like us getting to see him this past weekend is probably gonna be the last time we ever see him wrestle live. Yeah. For whatever reason, this does not have Terry Funk vibes to me. This feels like this is actually going to be like it for him. Um, yeah, and he's retiring at the Tokyo Dome. And I mean, man, I, I love Liger matches. Like, I love like his stuff with Chris Benoit. Like, I just start thinking about all the great guys he's had like matches with. Jericho, like all these different people. Yeah, Mysterio. Story. Yeah, well, the Mysterio match is not that good, but still. Um, <laughs> Shinjiro Otani and you know everybody man like Tyler Breeze <laughs> Tyler Breeze <laughs> uh, um 
Yeah, Liger's the greatest. And um, But I, I do think we should do some kind of retrospective special episode on Liger looking back at his career. I don't know when it will be. It probably, honestly, it probably wouldn't be until after G1 because the schedule is stacked. Um, after New Japan, fuck J- the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> after New Japan Cup, we're diving into MSG, and then after that, there's. Uh, Have you ever seen the Naoki Sano match? No. Well, there's like four of them, but like the one from the the one that won Observer Match of the Year. No, I haven't seen. Oh my god! Honestly, I haven't seen many New Japan matches with Liger. Bro, it's a he's a bloody mess, and he gets his mask ripped off, and they they start calling him Kichi Yamada on the commentary <laughs> the whole time. Like it's epic. Yeah. Sano, he actually mentioned Sano um, during the uh, his retirement like announcement. Like, yeah, Naoki Sano is a freaking badass. Like, nobody ever like talks about this dude, but like, he's a shoot legend. Yeah, bro, Liger's incredible. Like, Liger's like, you think about like a guy who has wrestled every style, every everywhere in the U.S. Like, or or no, I'm sorry, across the world, like. This is a dude that can go to Mexico and have incredible matches. He can go to Europe and wrestle the technical style. He can wrestle strong style. He can wrestle King's Road. He can wrestle the U.S. indie style. Just the general like classic NWA epic style. Dude, he, he'll freaking pull his mask off and like reveal that he's freaking Keishan Liger and stab you in the head with spikes. Like he can do ev- like he can walk and brawl. He can plunder. He can high fly like he can, you know, roll you up like. Jushin Liger is the mo- one of the most versatile wrestlers that's ever lived. Like I, I don't want him to retire. He's ageless to me. He's never gonna die. He's Jushin Thunder Liger. I don't want him to stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. It's gonna be sad on the Tokyo Dome when he finally goes out. But um, like I was saying, I, I definitely would like to do a retrospective episode on him and. Um, looking at the schedule, it probably won't be until probably right after the G1 finals. Uh, but yeah, we're definitely planning. I would love to do an episode like that. How do Liger. you how do you talk about a dude who's had thirty years of, of like incredible matches though? I don't know, but you know, I would like to. Maybe we can get Chris Charlton on to <sighs> to do that retrospective with us. Oh my god, yeah, that'd be freaking nuts. Um. So, moving on the news, we kind of already talked about the IWGP title match being official for MSG. Uh, Ishimori defending against Bandito and Dragon Lee. Um, the talent has been announced for the ROH NJPW Festival meet and greet. Which one? The one that Ring of Honor is doing or the one that New Japan's doing? Um, well, this is coming from Ring of Honor. Uh, ah, the, gotcha. the Festival of Honor. So, the talent that you can meet and greet are... From Ring of Honor, there you can meet Bandito, Brody King, Bully Ray, Dalton Castle with the boys, Flip Gordon, Jay Lethal, Jeff Cobb, Kelly Klein, Manny Leon, Mark Haskins, Marty Skrull, Mayu Iwatani, PCO, Roosh, the Briscoes, the Kingdom, and Tracy Williams. From New Japan, you can meet Bushi, Evil, Hiroki Goto, Juice Robinson, Jushin Thunder Liger, Kazuchika Okada, Kota Ibushi, Sanada, Shingo Takagi, Tetsuya Naito, Will Ospreay, and Zack Sabre Jr. So if you head over to ROHWrestling.com, they have the full details of times and prices um, for the meet and greet for the G1 Supercard Festival of Honor. Uh, Also, the G1 Climax 29 schedule um, has been announced. So as we already knew, 
July 6th um, kicks off the G1 at the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. Uh, July 13th and 14th, it'll be at the Oda City General Gymnasium in Tokyo. July 15th uh, will be in Hokkaido. July 18th, 19th, and 20th will be in Corkin Hall. July 24th, they'll be at the Hiroshima Sun Plaza Hall. Uh, July 27th and 28th, they will be in Aichi. In July 30th, they'll be in uh, Kagawa. August 1st, they'll be in the Fukuoka uh, Citizen Gymnasium. August 3rd and 4th, they'll be in Osaka. August 7th, they'll be in uh, Shizuku. In August 8th, they'll be in uh, Kanagawa. And then August 10th, 11th, and 12th, they'll be in Budokan Hall in Tokyo. Uh, so big lineup there for the G1 um, Climax 29. Um, like we mentioned earlier, um, El Phantasmo will be coming soon to New Japan and joining the Bullet Club. Um, also this past week, NJPW announced ticket information for the Royal Quest. And they've announced that tickets will go on sale to the general public at 12 p.m. GMT time on Thursday, March 14th. Um, they're also doing a pre-sale for those who have signed up to a mailing list. The pre-sale tickets will be available to purchase on Tuesday, March 12th at 12 p.m. And like we've already mentioned on this show, Tanahashi, Okada, and Naito are confirmed for the Royal Quest. Royal Quest sounds like a cruise line. It kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> like, come now, five days in the Caribbean on the beautiful Royal Quest. Yeah. Um... But actually, that's not the cruise. But I do, I do think it's kind of a cool name for this show. I was bearing it. I know you were. <laughs> <laughs> um, then on NJPW1972.com, there is a interview with Kota Ibushi where he shares all his, up in his feels. Yeah, shares his real feelings about Kenny being an outsider and his injury. So go ahead and check that um, column out at NJPW1972.com. Um, that like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, King Kong Bundy um, passed away uh, this past week, um, and King Kong Bundy um, has had he had some time in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, he made his debut in the 1970s. Um, he was known in Japan as the Great Whale due to his um, size, and of course he became a huge star in the U.S. wrestling scene. Um, so our thoughts and prayers with the family of King Kong Bundy. It's been awful, man. Like, King Kong Bundy passed away. The Destroyer, Dick Byers, just passed away. Luke Perry from 90210 just passed away. Yeah, father of um, Jungle Boy. Which, that, bro, I, in, a, in a weird way, that hit me harder than any of the other deaths because I love 90210. I would, bro, and also, I watch Riverdale. Yeah, he's yeah, the dad on bro, Riverdale. I was sad. I'm sad. And then, um, yeah, Wally, Wally Yamaguchi. Yeah, that away. was the last thing I had here. Yeah, Wally uh, Yamaguchi, you might remember him as the manager for Kai and Tai um, in WWE. Um, yeah, he was 60, suffered a serious stroke in 2017, and was struggling ever since then, and um, has passed away. So thoughts and our prayers for all the families of all these men who have passed away recently in the wrestling community. Um, you have any anything else, young boy, before we head out of here? God bless America. All right. Well, on that <laughs> note, we'll be back next week with um, coverage on round two of the New Japan Cup. 
And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing what round two brings us. Bro, we're living in a world where in the midst of this tournament, we could possibly get Okada and Ishii. We could possibly get Okada and Osprey, which we probably are getting. We might be getting Tanahashi and Ibushi, Tanahashi and Zack Sabre Jr. And any combination of those six guys yeah, with one another in the finals. Yeah. And Sonata's in the midst. And Suzuki's a dark horse in the midst. Like, this tournament's freaking nuts. Yeah, dude, this is going to go down as one of the best New Japan Cups ever. And I'm, I'm loving it. I can't wait for Chase to win this shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh now, now you want Chase to win it all? <laughs> well, he beat, he beat Juice. He's passed the big like the big test now all he has to do is be like Yoshihashi Yoshihashi and then Okada and then you know Tanahashi and then Ascendant and then be you know Jay, Jay White he can do it Chase is on the case Jay White versus Chase Owens huh <laughs> <laughs> he's on the case bro yeah yeah he's, he's trying uh, so yeah next week we'll be back with our reviews of round two Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. Our show is at KI Strong Style. You can also follow us at Social Suplex. On Facebook, we are facebook.com slash social suplex. On Reddit, uh, I am the pro black guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Um, if you're a big fan of the sound of my voice, Especially check out the past week of episodes because last night I was on One Nation Radio. Um, I was on the Rookie and Clive Invitational with Josh. I was also on the debut episode of NXT, then, now, and forever with James. So a lot of Jeremy on the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the last week. Bro, I can't wait to check those out. You know I'm a big fan of your voice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so our schedule on Sundays, One Nation Radio, and like I mentioned, uh, Rich and I, we did a review of Fastlane. Uh, Mondays until the end of April, we'll have the Omega Luke podcast. On Wednesdays, we have the Rookie and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland. On Thursdays, we have our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling, Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryan. On Fridays, we have NXT, Then, Now, and Forever. Hosted by James Boyd. And on Saturday, we have All Things Elite. Hosted by Floyd Johnson Jr. Don't forget to subscribe. Leave a rating and review. Also, don't forget to check out our Pro Wrestling Tea store. ProWrestlingTees.com slash social suplex. And also, please spread the word about Suplex Mania April 7th at the original Hooters across from Madison Square Garden. So we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. And until next time, goodbye, good night, bang. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.